Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. Ready, huh? Fast, huh? Yeah, I'm ready. Are we clear? Yep. Alright. Edit. Welcome to another episode of Free Fall RC Podcast. I'm Steve, and here with me is Kevin. Hey, guys. This is episode number 51 History of RC. The history. Yes, the history. So since we did an episode on what we felt the future of the RC uh, was going, we kind of wanted to turn and flip it the other way and now kind of do some history stuff. I have really no content for this. This was, (laughs) you know, Kevin's brainchild, so I'm going to kind of have him lead the main topic when we get to it. Nice. (laughs) So how's your week, man? Oh, week's been good, man. Yeah. It was good, dude. We flew. We actually flew. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's it's always the same thing, dude. I mean, we had the four-day weekend with Thanksgiving, and, you know, I you were off all week, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the big move. Yeah. And uh, But most of the Americans had the uh, the four-day Thanksgiving. So, you know, so Thanksgiving Day is more or less, you know, I don't know how yours is, but mine is just, uh, you know, get together with the family. Yeah. And spend most of the day with the family, you know. So I did a little bit of just silly stuff in the morning just tooling around mm-hmm. and then friday dude i was just running around like like an idiot i was i was cleaning my wife went to work actually oh wow um, yeah so i was i was cleaning I, I had a bunch of stuff i wanted to do i wanted to clean up in the yard a little more and finish that and get the christmas lights out and put all that stuff up oh boy you do christmas lights huh yeah you know i we haven't done decorations inside the house mm-hmm. uh, i just basically do them outside because yeah. it's just my wife and I, the, our daughter's in Florida, so we just, uh, I just do that outside, and we'll put maybe a couple things up, but nothing like it used to be. Like I have a, uh, I have a Christmas tree that was handed down, f- that was my parents. It's from 1964. The thing's older than I am. Wow, how, how's that tree last? Is it just a bunch of twigs? It's just a bunch of twigs. You remember Charlie Brown Christmas? No. Exactly. No. <laughs> That's what I was picturing. <laughs> just a bigger one. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's one. St- well, it's, it's more than one stick in the middle, but it's like two sticks in the middle mm-hmm. and each branch you have to put in. Okay. And there's like, I don't know how many. It's like a six foot tree. So how how many of our branches that works out to? Yeah. Yeah. A bunch. And when I was younger, man, and, you know, I used to put up a tree inside the house. Even when I was living by myself, I used to put it up and, uh, you know, it's just like tradition to put the old Christmas tree up. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to a point where I was wrapping every branch in lights. So it would take me like three hours to put this tree up. But I got pictures somewhere. Oh, boy. But by the time I would got done wrapping, you know, every branch, there was like 700 lights on this friggin' thing. It was almost impossible to look directly at the tree. That's how bright it was. <laughs> nice <laughs> so uh yeah so I, I quit doing that you know and then when i met my wife and we started celebrating christmas here you know mm-hmm. together uh we just got like uh like a hand-me-down from her that she had and then we went out one year and we bought one i think we have like four trees now but no we don't we don't put them up uh in the house i mean first of all my house is super small so there's really not a whole lot of room for a big tree or anything right yeah you know, we would put up a little one and so, anyway, so I, I got that done on Friday, and then Saturday I planned to get the windows tinted on my Jeep because I want to. I got this whole like 
way I want the Jeep to look, mm-hmm. and I'm slowly putting it together. It's funny. I keep walking around going, angry Jeep is coming. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, it's funny. gonna look angry and it's gonna you know ever you've seen it already with the big tires on it but i got a, yeah. i got a i got a bumper for it already and, mm-hmm. and it's got the bar on it and i gotta get a winch for it and i really love to do a tail um a, a rear bumper and tire carrier but i'm not sure what i'm gonna do yet but it's almost done and one of the things i wanted to I would do for a long time was get the windows tinted so i mean I, and this was something that i i called around like we live in north jersey you live in northwest jersey now with me mm-hmm. and there's not really a whole lot of places that advertise yes we do window tinting on vehicles or anything like that you know right right like i i have friends that and family that have had it done and they almost always give me the same thing yeah i had it done but the guy's really not that good and yeah i have it done but he had to come to my house or i had to find a, a garage and he came out and did it and you know so i'm like where am I going to get this freaking thing done? So I, I was calling around to a couple different places, and you know you can't just drive up and have them do it. You got to set up an appointment. Uh-huh. So one place I set up an appointment with, and then I had to cancel because my wife was going away. This was like a month ago, and so I, I found this one guy who's close to us. He's like in in the Kenville area. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, every other place like to do. I'm getting the five windows done in a Jeep. I have only a two-door Jeep Wrangler, so I have five windows from the factory. The rear wasn't done or anything because that's only the the Sahara model. Right. So I, I said to him, you know, yeah, I want the five done. And blah. one guy gave me a price of like three and change. One guy was like three seventy-five. Damn. And I wasn't really going for the lowest price, but this guy happened to be two hundred bucks. And I was like, all right. And he was like, yeah, and bring it down. You know, seemed like a really nice guy. I was like, yeah, bring it down. You know, next weekend. So I had to schedule for, you know, this Saturday. And it came out great. He did a great job. I, I walked down to the hobby store, you know, in Kenville that we were talking about last time mm-hmm. and was just, you know, hanging out and kind of BSing with Rich down there for an hour. And then I walked back and it was done. And the guy originally told me, you know, two hours, you know, give it. And then probably an hour and a half he was done and he did a great job. So awesome, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty happy about that. And then we got a chance to fly on Sunday mm-hmm. after all that. Yes. Holy crap, we flew on Sunday, I wrote. <laughs> yep. And man, I didn't have a like I didn't have my usual time uh to go down to the field and, and hang out. I, I left a little bit early, maybe an hour early. Well, you left a, I mean, you left an hour earlier than usual. And yeah. But compared to like the rest of us, we stayed like dusk, like the sun was pretty much gone. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we stayed till at least f- I left at five. Wow. Yeah, what did I leave? Two thir- no, two o'clock, I think I left. Yeah, I think 2 or one thirty, something like that, yeah. It's good I did, too, because uh, I had to go help Jeff out with a couple of electrical problems that he was having in his house, mm-hmm. and and uh, so that worked out pretty good. Nice. Um, leaving at that hour, you know? Mm-hmm. But, man, dude, did I have a good time? Like, even though it was kind of, it was a little cold, I mean, it was 50 degrees, Yeah, but, but the you wouldn't Oof. know it at the field. Right. The wind chill, I mean, it was like it was 38 degrees out. It was yeah. pretty chilly. Our buddy mm-hmm. came down from uh, from Stanhope there, uh, Rob McClellan and his his son and his buddy Mike. Yep. And uh, Bill, our buddy Bill, Desk Pilot, who's been on the show, he came down. Yep. And uh, we were flying helis, man. Yeah. And I was flying planes and helis. Yeah. But, uh, those guys. You have, you have a funny thing with the plane, right? Well, dude, he has he had a plane there that he had kind of, uh, it looked like a Balsa it's 300, a- extra 300 or something. Yeah, it's like 
it was called like the Velox or a Velex. Things like forty something inch balsa. I want to say it was Precision Air Acrobatics. So it's a pretty well known like brand at least. Yeah, yeah, he flew that. Bill's flying that. That thing flew nice. Oh, Bill flew that. <clears throat> yeah, that was Bill's plane. Yeah, he has a V bar. Um, he has the mini V bar in there. Oh, I thought that was, was Rob's. Yeah, no, no, it was Rob's. He gave it to Bill. Oh. Yeah, so he was flying that, um, which was quite interesting with the V bar in there. And it's funny because Bill was saying like, "Oh man, this is harder to fly than a heli." And I was like, "What? <laughs> How's that possible?" <laughs> you know, I guess you know he's 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 flown helis more often, frequently than uh than a plane. So yeah, I guess so. I can see it. I guess I don't know. But yeah, what happened with Bill and uh, and you're flying, huh? Well, I flew the Sport, the Oxy Sport. I love that <laughs> heli, man. Flew the crap yeah. out of that thing. I flew the scale helicopter. I flew the Sukhoi. I think I only flew Sukhoi once, but that's such a great plane, man. I yeah. had a lot of fun with that. And I, I had my uh, Twisted Hobbies Beaver, and I mm-hmm. hadn't flown that in a while because I, I my batteries started to go, and then I ordered new batteries from Hobby King, and I just hadn't brought them out to the field uh, right. you know, or anything. And that thing's getting pretty banged up. I think last time I flew it, I had to fix the wheel, and I kind of like epoxied the wheel back together. Uh, the wheel axle it was just flopping all over the place that thing's more or less done i should just like rip the electronics out of that and get a new one yeah um, or fly mine or fly yours though yeah right i always forget about yours so anyways i'm i'm flying around and what was bill going out to the flight line to do we basically had the place to ourselves there's nobody there yeah i'm not sure i mean all i know is i saw what you're gonna explain next <laughs> he was going out to i think did, does he have an oxy? He was putting something yeah, small. Yeah, he has an oxy. Yep. Maybe it was the oxy. Mm-hmm. And you know me with that plane, like I'm, I'm always like hovering that around, and like so I kind of whipped it around behind him, and I was like, I'm gonna buzz him. I'm gonna like get close to him and like fly past him. Mean, I've done it with you guys, and mm-hmm. and it was well, pretty windy out. Yeah, you buzz him pretty damn good. <laughs> I buzzed him. I, I crashed right into his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like hit him. I hit him. I didn't hit him hard. I think I could, you know, I'm I'm positive. I cut the throttle before I like hit him. And I mean, (laughs) you know, I'm only running a two S and it's a nine, six prop. So, I mean, it's, it's not going to be like crazy, you know? Yeah. I still wouldn't want to get hit with it, but dude, his reaction was hysterical. (laughs) (laughs) He was just like, what the hell? <laughs> and what was your reaction? <laughs> I was crying. I was laughing so hard. It was so funny because he was wearing that big, like, like not like Davy Crockett hat, but I don't even know what the hell you call that. It's got yeah, the flaps the, on the, it. The ear flaps, yeah. And he's got uh-huh. them tied up. So it's just this big, giant hat helmet. Yeah. And it was like such a Plus target a for me to hit. He had underneath that, too. So he had some padding. Yeah, he had a Jets yeah. beanie on, mm-hmm. which um, we were commenting on also. But yeah, yeah. it was funny because Rob came out. Rob had his uh, his camper with him, yep. and, he, and he said that we were sitting in the um, camper and we were watching me. F- they were watching me fly around Bill, and they were like, "Oh, wouldn't it be too funny if he hit him?" And then I hit him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so I, mean, I gotta say laughed, sorry, Bill. You know, yeah, Bill's okay. You know, no one got hurt, but it was quite uh, quite hilarious. <laughs> it basically it just it just scared him more than anything else. Yeah. And then did you say something to him after that or maybe a little bit uh, after? What did I say afterwards? You might be surprised to know that this wasn't the first time oh. I hit someone in the head. With That's right. Brain. Yeah. <laughs> I did say that. Yeah. yeah. 
Because I hit that marine in the head at, in <laughs> Ohio. Yeah, yeah. yeah with the uh, with a biplane, the little mm-hmm. beast biplane. Yeah, directly in the head, like oh, boy. on a forty five, right down into his head. Boink! He was looking at his phone. Think. <laughs> but Bill's uh, Bill's reaction was priceless. I'm I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't even drop whatever he had and come like running after me. Nah, <laughs> because it was pretty. Uh, like I nailed him pretty good. Yeah. If he felt like actual pain, maybe he'd have been like, you know. But it was kind of like boink. It just kind of bounced off of him. <laughs> Dude, it, I think it scared the crap out of him because he was just yeah. like, "What the hell?" Yeah, yeah you don't expect a full <laughs> airplane hit you in the head. Yeah. yeah. After that, man, got home, brought all the stuff out of the, uh, you know, got it out of the Jeep. And um, I think last night I worked on the Goblin 380 because I still don't have that flying. Oh, boy. I sent you guys pictures of what the manual says that I have, and it Uh meets up with what the manual says. The manual says I have, you know, a 3M ball on the tail rotor and a 2M ball on on the servo horn. Mm-hmm. M3 and, what, and M2. <laughs> yeah, and what they send me is two M3. So the one that goes on the servo is like flopping around. You could, there's you, you know you wouldn't want to fly it that way. It's like yeah. a, it's like it's worn. It's too it's too big for that ball. What I did was I think yeah it was last night. I went on uh, went on Heli Direct and I'm like well I'll put an end to this. So I ordered some M2 links and I ordered some three M balls. And I'm like, I'm either going to change the ball or I'm going to change the link. Either one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I got some extras then. Yep. I still got to take a look at mine. Because I don't I don't remember mine being different because I remember, you know, taking the tail pitch lever or whatever, the push rod, and I would take it out and I just put it back in. Like I never, you know, looked at which way it would go. So yeah. I was quite surprised to hear that even in your manual that you're looking up that it was different. That I don't might, recall it being different. You yeah, know? I don't know, man. It must be a change somewhere along the lines because what I'm being sent, uh, mm-hmm. as far as the push rod goes, they're both the same links. They're both right. three. They're both three M links. M three. M three links. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure, but um, I mean, you should have like if you check your. Oh well, no, you didn't buy new. No, but Anthony did give me a bunch of parts, and I looked. Yeah, was there any spare links or ball? No, I didn't see anything. Okay. So I just ordered it. I'm like, well, screw it. I'll just. Either way, you'll get it going soon. Yeah. Nice. And then I cut out the uh, the canopy holes uh, on the canopy for the uh, you know for the magnetic latches, dude. Yeah. That canopy is so tight to get on. It's almost like, you know, I like the canopy. I like the way it looks, but you have the canopy kind of like pitches up, and then the the little holes on the bottom uh-huh. by the landing gear, the little slots. Yeah. They kind of also pitch up, so it's like two things pitching up trying to intersect with each other. Oh, uh, that's weird. Yeah, it's it's a little strange. Um, maybe I just need to get it out in the sun and <laughs> grind it yeah. up a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, let it soften up and then remold it pretty much. Yeah. Um, cool. So that's all I've been up to, man. Uh, I'm so glad we got a chance to go flying, man, because I, I had a good time. Yeah, me too. I had a couple of really good flights with the Oxy. I was I was shocked, man. Like at one point, I did like six or seven pyros, not in a row, but I was just doing them. Like, and they weren't falling or anything. It was just you know pure flips, pure flips. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, wow. And I even said to Rob, I said, "Am I going around in a full circle here? It kind of looks like it." 
but and he was like, no, I don't, I don't think so. He goes, it looks like you're doing half pirouette flips. And I'm like, okay. I could have sworn I was going around because I started moving the cyclic slower, and I was, I had the the pirouette rate going pretty quick. But maybe it was just me. No, you, to do more pirouettes than a pirouette flip, you need to move the cyclic twice the speed of your rudder. To do more pirouettes, I thought you would yeah. flip it over and let it go around once. No. No, that means you're just doing a half pure and then you're doing some puros and then you're flipping it back over with the yeah. other half. Yeah. To do a pure flip that has more than one pure or like a full flip. Yeah. In in the in the half flip, right? So like say that you're doing a full 360 rotation and a half flip, the way to do that to achieve that is while your helicopter is flipping, you're moving the cycle like two times around. But wouldn't your tails be staying in the same place then wouldn't it be no because it's hard to describe but basically um <clears throat> you know how you do your pier flips you're like you're moving a heli forward and you, you rotate a turn your tail and while you're rotating the tail you're, you're moving a cyclic to keep that that uh helicopter flipping right when you're doing a a, a full pier per half flip you're actually um because the tail's rotating an extra half turn you're doing the full puro before you get back to being upside down. So your cycling is moving twice as fast or one and, one and a half times I don't fast. know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I know what I was trying to do. I was trying to get it to flip over and do a full rotation and then flip back upright. So I think what you're doing, you're doing a half puro, right, with a half rotation, and then you're, doing a, and then you're probably either finishing the puro and then flipping it back over. So what is a full pirouette flip then? I mean, from what I've, from you know, even Carl Stacy was saying, a full pirouette flip is if you, it's it's basically it doesn't matter if you're doing a half pirouette inverted and half pirouette out, that's a full full pirouette flip. Now you can do multiple rotations in that pirouette flip, oh, okay. which then you basically speed up your cyclic, watching the heli to basically while the heli's flipping, you're actually still turning your tail, so you're you know, when normally we go forward, up, right, you know, like forward in a cyclic, right, down to do that half pure. You're, yeah. doing, you're doing that, but you're finishing the other half, um, doing a full circle on your cyclic before it even gets to being inverted. And to do that, your tail's moving and you're basically watching your tail move and you're matching what cyclic you need to keep that flip, you know, looking uh, smooth. You know when Homer Simpson sits at the desk at the nuclear plant and he's drooling? That's what I was just doing. I was just like, oh, I have no idea, dude. I thought I knew what I was doing, and now I have no idea. Yeah, it's 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 hard to understand, and for me, for like for the longest time, I couldn't understand it until I, I just started banging sticks on the on the sim, and I was I saw the the reaction of the helicopter at, once you match up the cyclic road. Your pure rotation with your cyclic control, that helicopter is doing a full pure before it even goes upside down, and it's because you're matching. And that when same thing when you're doing pure circle. Uh, oh, I circuit, see what you mean. Yeah, you're 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 slowly moving the tail, but you're moving a cyclic constantly with that with the tail going around. I mean, some people will might just nudge it here and there, but like you know, to do like tight circuits, you would basically just kind of constantly do a, a cyclic rotation while you're doing it. Same thing when people do um, Piro TikToks, it's kind of like that same motion. Um, so, yeah, oh, it's, yeah. It's, 
Yeah, it gets really complicated. Like I think anything involved with cyclic and pure at the same time gets really complicated to kind of get down, you know, like to truly understand what you need to do. But it's easier when you try to like take a helicopter or like, you know, like an oxy and just hold it and visualize what you're doing, you know? All right. So whatever I was doing was staying in the air and it was yeah. staying in one spot. I think that was the most I got out of that whole thing on on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's so that's been my week, dude. What have you been up to, man? Doing my usual home improvement stuff. <laughs> um so let's let's kind of start with I know last episode, you know, it was it's pretty explicit um as far as the Home Depot debacle. Uh I just want to give an update. Home Depot or this third party company still sucks. Big oh, beep. <laughs> it is terrible. So they came Wednesday, and a guy calls me and says, yeah, so I have a delivery for you? I'm like, yep. And he's like, okay, I have a microwave and a dishwasher. And I'm like, where's the washer, dryer, and the refrigerator? Oh, I don't know. I don't have it. Why don't you have it? I don't know. Let me call you back. And call me back. He says, yeah, it was damaged. And I was like, oh, boy, okay. So I'm like, whatever, deliver what you can. I text my girl, and... I'm like, yeah, so they're only going to deliver the washer, I mean, the uh, microwave and the dishwasher. She's like, oh, no, screw this. We're we're returning everything. Don't take the delivery. I'm like, you sure? I mean, we've been waiting. Like, at least we'll get something. She's like, no, no, we're going to return everything. So, you know, they pull up, and the guys were actually pretty nice about it. You know, they didn't have, like, any type of attitude or any, you know. So I was just like, yes, I'm sorry, guys, you know. Sorry for you guys to make the trip out here, but um, we're we're canceling the entire order because we don't have all our appliances. You know, we ordered all this stuff, five appliances, and you know, um, just delivering two is that's not going to work for us. So, so wait a minute, you waited till they showed up at your house to tell them this, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. I mean, they called me out like thirty, you know, thirty minutes before they got here, and by the time I, you know, finished talking with. With Maria, it was like, okay, you know, like they were basically pulling in. Yeah, so that happened. Home Depot, appliances, never again, ever, never. Like I'll go and buy like little small things, but never again for appliances. So there, this is the, – There is a Lowe's that's close to you too. Yes. So Home Depot so that's not my, your only choice. So that's my next thing I want to talk, talk about is that Lowe's, they saved the day. So – after Maria gets out of work, she, you know, it was Thanksgiving Eve, so she got out of three. So we went to Lowe's right after. First thing we go is we go to appliances. We we like we see that they have the appliances that we want, and then this uh, this lady Donna was helping us. And first thing we ask is, who does your deliveries? Is it a third party? Is it this company? She's like, no, it's like Bob and John from you know they live in the area. Like they they do all our deliveries. And I'm like, okay, so where are the appliances? Are they in stock? Um, so she was like, we have them in stock in the back room right now. Oh, cool. We're like, awesome. So these guys are going to come deliver it? And, and she's like, yeah, we'll get it all set up. This was Wednesday. She's like, okay, the earliest we can do it because of Thanksgiving would be Saturday. But just to let you know, you know, we're getting you late on the list for Saturday. So it might be late at night. So, you know, just, just be aware. And we're like, doesn't matter saturday we're gonna be home it, it'll be fine so cool we, we get that stuff um ordered and you know we pay for it then then on friday after thanksgiving 
we we go back and we're like, okay, we really need a dishwasher because right now I have the old dishwasher completely disconnected. We can't use the sink because even though I have the hot water turned off, it's for some weird reason when we use the sink, the cold water kind of back logs into the hot water line. It's I don't know why, but we were, I was leaking cold water um, through that like exposed hose, the the steel braided hose that I had disconnected. Really? So we're like, okay, we got to buy a washer, a dishwasher. All right, so we went to Lowe's, went back there. We found a dishwasher and a refrigerator that we liked, so that way we could get like a whole matching kitchen set. So we're like, okay, washer is uh, dishwashers in stock in the store, perfect. The fridge is, um, you know, it's it's not in stock, so we'll have to wait a couple of days, you know, like a week or two. No problem. We were like, okay, can we add the the dishwasher to Saturday's delivery? And and the other person we were working with uh, at Lowe's was, yeah, sure, we should be able to. They'll give you a call Friday and let you know. I mean, they'll give you a call later or Friday or Saturday morning and let you know. This was a day before now, delivery day. So basically, we get a call at like 8 o'clock in the morning. They're like, yeah, so we're about 10 minutes away. Oh, we're wow. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we were expecting much later, but okay, cool. So they came. We paid only for um, drop-off and haul-away. We didn't pay for any installation. Okay. The guys come, you know, they're, they're, they're nice. Or, you know, they're like, okay, they bring the washer and dryer downstairs. I already had everything completely disconnected so they could take the old stuff. So they, they, they haul away the old stuff, bring in the new stuff, and he starts hooking it all up. I was oh, like, "Jeez, okay, cool, whatever, you know. Um, then they bring the, you know, dishwasher in and that one, because electricity, they can't do anything, but it's not a plug. It's a, yeah, right. It was hardwired. It's hardwired. Um, but cool. They hooked it all up, clean everything, ran a test cycle and we're like, yeah, I just want to run it, make sure everything's good. They were awesome about it. And they came basically, in my opinion, it was first thing in the morning. Wow. So we were the first, uh, stop. And I was like, oh, yeah, here's 40 bucks. Like, thank you. You know, nice. <laughs> like, that's the whole like Home Depot, you know, experience. It was like such a, you know, a breath of fresh air to have like people that actually did their jobs and went even beyond because I, we didn't pay for the installation. Like that wasn't an extra, that was like an extra 15 bucks of appliance. We didn't, I was like, I could hook it up. You know, I don't want to hear any problems with the rusted, you know, spigot or anything. So, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, like I'll just do it. Just bring it in. And but he hooked it all up, and I was like, "Cool, you know." That's on the the, the home front, you know, basically doing that. And the other day, I mounted the fifty five inch four uh, K TV on in the bedroom on the wall, and using these little access panel boxes, got that all wired up and nice and neat. So that's that's four K, huh? Yeah, two ninety eight. Wow, two hundred ninety bucks, super cheap. What? Who knows if it'll last any more in a year? But damn, that was cheap. What? It was a black, yeah, we bought it on Friday on some Black Friday deal. Holy crap, man! Yeah, fifty-five inch. It's a it's a Philips. That's my only like, eh, you know, about it. But you know what? If it lasts a year or two, I mean, it's only two hundred ninety-eight bucks. Like, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, you know, that's nothing. <laughs> so now, what do you have that can do four K? Uh, absolutely nothing, but it does oh. upconvert <laughs> everything. <laughs> it does try to upconvert anything that's ten eighty p to to four K. So the cable, my Xbox One, it's not a 4K Xbox, but damn, Titanfall 2 and Bioshock, these games look amazing on it. 
Nice. It really looks nice, even for the size. Because usually when you start talking about a bigger TV, you kind of see more of the, the right. pixels and stuff. But because, yeah. I guess, it has the higher resolution, that it actually utilizes it, and it looks great. Um, nice. So, yeah, we're happy about that. But coming back around on the hobby side, yeah, we flew on Sunday. Great time. Rob, Devin, Bill, Muse was out there. Greg came by. It was, oh, that's right. Muse was yeah. there, too, yeah. Yeah, Muse Maiden, his his uh, Protos Max uh, V2, the 700. Nice. Um, yeah, it was g- good times, you know. And, you know, you, you always leave too early. <laughs> I know, dude, but what can so, I do? I'm in high so, demand. <laughs> and, and Devin was like, oh, you're going to talk about this on the podcast, right? And I was like, damn straight, you know I will. <laughs> so can we talk about the, what? This is the first time I've ever seen... A nitro, like I've seen flame outs with nitros, but I've never seen a total like loss of everything. Engine shut off, no radio control, just dead in the air, hundred feet up in the air, while it was doing TikToks, <laughs> tail down TikToks. Yes. So he has a silver line V bar in there with a V Link satellite that he uses on his V control. He was doing tail down TikToks, bump, 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 and then he's like, "Oh, I think I just saw something fall off." Oh, jeez. Yeah, and then his helicopter went like forty-five degrees, like boom into the ground. So this is a N seven seven hundred Synergy Nitro right. with the OS one hundred five. You know, it was a brand new motor. I think they probably had like a couple of gallons through it. Yeah, and. Yeah, it hit the ground. And after further investigation, that little thing that fell off was his V-Link sat. So it went into fail safe. His motor cut off. He had no radio control at all because there was no receiver. And that thing just kind of like, you know, floated down and landed. Um, Bent the tail, boom. Uh, Cracked his motor block, his crankcase. Oh. Bent his muffler a little. It's like the power shot or, you know, OZ. Power shot or power shot or something like that. Muffler. Landing skids. Uh, both blades. You know, cyclone blades. I think he had like 697s or 695s on there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it wasn't that bad of a crash. Uh, oh, also one servo gear set, you know, got sh- jammed up. It wasn't that bad of a crash, but because he had no radio control, he couldn't like level it out better or... Right, auto down or anything like that. So it was just like, holy crap, dude. So we witnessed Devin's first crash in the hobby. He's never crashed a helicopter. Really? This was his first. And of course, it wasn't his fault. I mean, you know, he was just flying it. But, uh, well, I'm glad to hear it wasn't a Spectrum Brownout. (laughs) It's very similar. Freaking guys with your Spectrum Brownout crap. Yeah, uh, try try a mini V bar and spectrum. You'll you'll see what we're talking about. You saw my uh, Goblin three eighty just go down out of nowhere. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, it wasn't that bad. But you know, it was new blades, tail boom. I cannot believe that kid has never crashed anything. Yeah, he's I guess with simming and rescue and you know like yeah. So he he said he never crashed before. And that was his first crash. Wow. But, yeah, but what a, what a way to crash, right? It, um, what sucked was the, the the motor. Motors are expensive for these, you know, especially in the one hundred and five. Oh, is it? Yeah, 
they're they're not cheap. They're like five hundred bucks, and then the muffler is like three hundred dollars. So oh. it's like an eight hundred dollar combo right there. Ouch. Yeah. So um, the muffler is a little bit tweaked, but it's, you know, Rob was saying, yeah, we could probably just bolt it back on. It's not going to interfere with anything. It's just not going to look perfectly level with the skids. It's an aesthetic thing. I think that's okay. But the crack on the block, um, yeah, you know, it, it actually cracked right where the muffler bolts go into. So because the muffler hit, it tweaked it and then chipped the block on a, on that little, I guess, uh, where the gasket goes, you know, that plate. Yeah, you might be able to get away with some JB weld on that, but it doesn't no, sound like not it. Not even. So that heli is back together and flying already. Uh, I saw a maiden video of it, or a remaiden video, I guess, after the crash. And basically, um, he just used a longer bolt and a gasket. Oh, okay. Like, it was still seal. Yeah. So it didn't like blow a gasket or anything. So, yeah, it looked like it was flying pretty good. Nice. We have another crash. And it wasn't me. <laughs> man, I really did miss it. Yeah, you leave too early, man. You got to wait a little, you know, a little well, later in the day. You, no, I think you guys got to start crashing your shit earlier. Is what's <laughs> got to happen. Because yeah, when food's involved, I'm definitely leaving, you know. <laughs> And like, like I said, it was just because Jeff was having issues, and I said I'll stop by and you know for at least an hour. So, Muse, it looked like a Scud missile. You know, you ever watch like those like war videos and stuff, and you see like, you know, you see something like flying straight to the ground, just like right, like and just hear that thump and that you know like oh yeah yeah explosion. Yeah, I mean. The missiles, yeah, you hear explosion, but you know, you hear that like hard hit to the ground. Like slow mo, you see the uh, the actual vibrations in the yeah, air. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like that. So he was flying his Protos Mini, uh, not Mini, the five hundred. You know, he was doing his whatever. He was just flying around, and I don't know. He lost orientation. He said, and that thing came like a damn missile to the ground. It was just like no throttle hold or anything that i could have told like i heard or could tell until maybe it hit after it hit the ground but it hit and like bounced and then slammed almost into like right next to that right in front of like one of those pilot station um guards that you built yeah for the field. yeah it came down hard wow we're just like what happened like and, it, and the first point of impact was like Bill's head? No, no, it was like no, dude. Oh. Bill would be in the hospital. Like it came down that hard. No, I believe it. I'm, I'm only joking. <laughs> it was like probably about five, maybe like seven feet from him. Damn. It was close. It was too close to like too close for comfort. I'll say, dude. I'll tell you right now, man. I don't mess around with these large helicopters, dude. When these guys are out there and they're doing a maiden, and you know, I don't know who they are. You know, I'm sitting down. I'm behind some shit, like <laughs> I watching. Know, you fly behind. You fly. <laughs> you sit behind back when I fly. <laughs> nah, sometimes. But you know, I think you're. I, I think you're uh, a pilot that could handle it if if it got out of control. You know, yeah. I think the first thing you're gonna hit is is throttle hold. But then, then again, I mean, look at um, you know, look at Devin, man. He's he's a really good pilot. I know he knows where throttle hold is, but if he loses his radio signal, what are you going to do? Yeah, nothing well, to do. Exactly. I'm good. I'm glad he was in a tick and not a talk, and or else somebody would have been wearing that helicopter for crying out loud. Yeah, possibly. I mean, it, it, at least it cut throttle, and because whenever you do a tick tock, you're knife edged. 
it's gonna fall yeah. down. It's not gonna yeah. fly like towards you or away from you. It's just gonna fly down. That's but um, true. but yeah, Muse came in under power, and you know, <sighs> I mean that that helicopter's a reek kit. Like I don't think the frame was broken, but I couldn't tell. Like it, everything, like the head exploded. That had to be the 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 blade grips all broke. The tail was all like bent in five different places. Like it was just wow. done, donezo. Yeah, so I mean, you know, it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> you know, sorry, Muse. Yeah, sorry, Muse. You know, but one of the things is Muse, you have to fly further out, like not further out where you can't see it and lose orientation again, but don't ever come at yourself or close enough that you could come at yourself because if you, you know, basically he said that he was, it was coming down, it was coming around, and he lost orientation and he tried to pull back. But I guess he rotated tail or something, and it basically um, tilted even further to the direction that you know. So he was like nose in instead of being nose in. I don't know. But so did he go nose nose in or did he go tail in? I mean, the helicopter hit so hard I couldn't tell which way it went in. Oh, um, canopy broke. I think he went tail in. It looked like the tail took the most of the grunt. The tail, the head, the blades. I mean, everything was just like shot. Um, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, yeah, it's it's part of a hobby, you know. But yeah. he has to he has to watch how, like how he's flying. Like, you know that 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 helicopter crashed on the opposite side of the runway. It's never you're never supposed to be even on that area of flight. You know what I mean? Yeah, it should the taxi op- area or the yeah that buffer zone between the runway and the pilot stations. Yeah, yeah, not even that. Like, even if you're standing on the edge of the runway, that helicopter should be always on the other side of the runway at the very least, because that'll give you twenty five, thirty feet. You know. Well, my very first day out there at that field, Jim yelled at me because I was flying the Beaver like I was flying it at Green Pond, like yeah, three inches from my face, and he was like, "No, you got to be out over the runway." So uh-huh. that's that's why I remember that. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I think if that happened, I mean, he might have still crashed, but at least it wouldn't have, you know, I would say a semi-close call. Maybe he was trying to save the, the, the runway itself from getting torn up. Maybe. Um, one of the things is he has rescue. He needs to learn to use the rescue. Oh, yeah. You know, you lose orientation, that thing's coming down hard. Just rescue, rescue, rescue. Just hit, keep on hitting that thing until it pops up, you know, 100 feet in the air. Then you can, like, at least... Yeah, get the tail around, get it under take, control. Yeah, take get the tail around, regain your composure, and then land it. But um, you know, you, people, yeah, folks need to learn to use rescue if you have it. Like that will save you and a heli, right? Yeah, folks. Yeah. So on other notes, I did some shopping for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Hell yeah! You uh, suck. <laughs> so I have a white V bar Neo coming. I have a replacement UI, the voltage sensor for the Goblin 700, since I toasted that one by wiring it up wrong. I oh. um, also bought a battery ID tag system from Mikado. Uh, I, I've been wanting to try this out because I, it kind of gets annoying sometimes to like, it's cool. You have the UI sensor. It tells you, okay, which battery? Select your battery. Now with the, the battery um, ID sensor, I don't have to tell it. I mean, I tell it once and then it basically picks that battery. Well, as soon as I plug in the battery and you know it boots up it'll recognize the rf tag and be like this is the battery you have in here so now you're being antisocial with your battery yes yes i don't, don't want, even want to I talk to your battery no 
Not even a battery. It's just a V control. I don't even want to. I don't want to talk. You know what it is? Is that on the bigger helis, they're labeled on the back end, so I could kind of look. You know the. I guess. Oh yeah. You know, back of the back end of the heli and kind of see. Oh, that's number two or number one. Um, I might try this on the 380. I don't know, but on the 380, I know it's the most pain in the ass because I'll put the canopy on and I have the numbers on the front part of the battery, and I'm like, ah, what battery is it? Okay, take the canopy off. Okay, number three, put the canopy back on. You know, so so we'll see. I mean, the, the system is pretty small and light. That you know wouldn't be a problem if I put it on the 380. But um, I'm gonna try it on maybe one of the bigger helis, or maybe on cool. the 380 because I have so many batteries for that, and that's the one that gets annoying. Um, besides that, I bought, I went to BK, BK servos and bought a set of 7,002, 7,006 HP servos. Got an awesome price for them. I mean, it was basically 20% off. I got a whole set for like 320. Oh man. You know, that's the full, like three cyclic and one tail servo. All Dude, you spent HP. some cabbage. Yeah. The Neo, the UI sensor and the battery ID tagged was like. Two or three sixty or three fifty, and then another three twenty for this. So, I mean, you know, this is if you ha- if folks haven't noticed, this is basically I'm ramping up to bu- build another seven hundred, eight hundred size heli. So, I was figuring we might as well get in on these deals. Um, you know, I think Mikado was twenty percent off, and so was BK. And you know, maybe they might have some sales during Christmas, but I'll probably be broke because I'll be buying Christmas gifts. So <laughs> I figured now's the time. Uh, I'd be broke already. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah. Oh, and I, I bought something else too. Yeah, I was wondering when you're going to bring this up. Yeah. So I I bought one of those things that I I always say I hate, but I don't know. I guess it's another. I'll never go V control and then buy V control. Wait a minute, you bought a Republican? That's close to it. <laughs> it's a DJI Phantom Three. <laughs> oh no! Yes, I bought a drone. Oh uh, yes. I can see you being arrested already, mm-hmm. flying around a Statue of Liberty. Oh yeah, of course. Chasing, the neighbors are going to call the cops on me. Chasing, yeah, the neighbors are going to call the cops. <laughs> chasing, chasing planes at Newark Airport. Sure, yep. yeah, that's that's exactly what I want to do with it. Isn't that yep. the purpose of these things? Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, so, you know. I think there's even an app that says follow plane. <laughs> yeah, you don't, uh, you know, don't don't break what it's supposed to do, so. But, um, yeah, I got a great deal. I mean, it was like $130, $140 off. Um, we flew uh, Bill Anthony's, right, Desk Pilots. And you know what? It was actually pretty cool to, like, Fly around, get that type of aerial photography. Um, so it was it was on sale, so eh, screw it, I'll buy it. Yeah, I have to say that was pretty cool flying his setup. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's my luck. Maybe DJI knows that I hate DJI <laughs> because it didn't work. That shit yeah, you guys shit. had it. Yeah, you had it at the field. I remember you uh-huh. and Bill looking at it, trying to get it to go. Yep. But I I, I must have been busy with a couple of things and. I don't know what the outcome was. Yeah, so the issue I was having is that the transmitter kept on losing its bind to the drone, to the Phantom 3. It kept on saying, RC signal lost, RC signal lost. We rebinded it, still. We boot it up, get it all set up, connect to the Wi-Fi to get the, the camera and the screen and the controls on my phone. And then 
five seconds later while I was trying to get GPS, it would say signal RC signal lost. Yeah. But you don't need signal to fly that thing. I thought you just tell it to go and it goes. I mean just home. Go home. Maybe. <laughs> but what fun is that? You know, really yeah, what I so wanted fun. this thing for is to like just like take it up sixty, a hundred feet in the air and just park it and just fly my helicopter around it. <laughs> Oh, is that what you're gonna do? <laughs> yeah, just fly right in front of it, like do TikToks right in front of it, just park there, you know? Like, yeah. I, you you're know? crazy man. I'll pilot that for you. Yeah, for sure. But um, I'm gonna join Air Bears, dude. That's what I'm gonna do. There you go. Uh, but I I went back to I bought at Walmart. I went back there. Um, did a straight up exchange. So I haven't gotten a chance to charge up the batteries and test this one yet, but um. I'm hoping Did you tell them they had to discharge the batteries? Nope. Oh, boy. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm sure they'll figure something out. And I think the batteries on the on the Phantoms are, I mean, they're like, first of all, I bought an extra battery um, or online, like on an eBay auction. Those things brand new are like 100 bucks for a battery. Really? Yeah. It's ridiculously expensive. And I was on the bill about it. I was like, why is this so expensive? It's just a 4S pack. 4S, like, 4200 or something like that. Right. It was like, it's a really smart battery. And I'm like, oh, you DJ fanboy. <laughs> you know? It's like, I don't care how smart that battery is. It's, you know, it's, it's still a battery pack. How is this so damn expensive? Anyways, I was able to source one on eBay, brand new, on an auction. And I won it for 68 bucks. So I was like, all right, cool. Well, that's cool. Still sixty-eight bucks for one four S four thousand pack, like that in Hobby King is like eighteen dollars. <laughs> yeah, I can see an experiment coming. Yeah, eh, I don't know. We'll see. But um, I mean, it is what it is. I can't wait to give this one a try, and and uh, we'll see what happens. I'll report back. Nice. All right, let's go into our main topic now. I'll let you take the lead on this. All right, main topic. The history of RC. So, like you said earlier, basically, we were talking about the future of RC last episode, so I figured, eh, we'll do a show about, like, uh, the history. And I, the the older I get, and yes, I keep getting older, uh, the more into history I am. I wish I was into the just American history and world history as much as I am now when I was back in high school. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I did a bunch of research and some reading i didn't i didn't research every last thing so you know to our listeners out there if i get something extremely wrong you got to forgive me so i had wrote up a few questions not many just to see if uh if steve had any clue he said he didn't already but uh i figured it'd be cool maybe we could learn something should i be googling everything no (laughs) no you shouldn't be googling so the first question i had in what year was the first example of radio control? Do you have any idea? Nineteen forty two. Nineteen forty two. Nope, that's wrong. Nineteen forty six? No, it's really earlier than that, dude. Oh, I thought it would be during like some type of war time because kinda of like how TCPAP was developed by, you know, the military pretty much. That something like this type of technology might have been developed by Military to to use for whatever surveillance or something. Hmm, that's a good guess, dude. But it's wrong. <laughs> good um, guess, but 
<laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, I would have guessed the same thing, you know, because uh, the same with the internet, you know, yeah, and and GPS being invented by the military and right, most stuff technologies like that. like that, yeah. Despite what Al Gore says, but <laughs> um, the first example I could find of of radio control was in 1898, dude. Whoa, yeah, in New York City, of course, New York City. Wow. Um, and do you know who invented it? Who? I don't yeah. know. I don't know anyone. Nineteen, um, eighteen ninety four. Well, you figure, like, who was around that that era? Einstein. No, I would have said. <laughs> I would have probably had guessed Thomas Edison. Edison, maybe, yeah, or somebody like you know uh, Tesla. Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, you're right. It is. It's Tesla. Oh no way! Yeah, he was forty three, and he was awarded a patent on November eighth, eighteen ninety eight. Wow, Nikola Tesla, huh? Yeah, and what he was doing was he was controlling radio control boats, and he also had an airship that was hydrogen filled, and oh, it was boy. it was flown in in a music hall. Oh at, boy! <laughs> yeah. What really intrigued me was, I read that it was in, it was controlled by a form of spark emitting radio signal, so you got. Hydrogen and spark. Hydrogen filmed <laughs> airship controlled by a spark. Uh, that yeah. is that is uh, wow. Hmm. But I didn't know what I didn't know what spark emitting control was. So I did some research on that, and mm-hmm. I I guess it's really so arcane that I don't even understand it. After watching videos on it and reading about it, it's basically a way of emitting just frequencies through the air with a spark. Uh, so it's like. It's basically like a Tesla coil that that's small, two electrodes, okay. and when you make the contact, like I guess Morse code, they would they would use them on ships back in the day of uh-huh. of the Titanic. <laughs> and you would actually, yeah, and actually one of the videos I said I, I watched, uh, the guy said, you know, and there was no frequency really; it was just which on one was off, more po- right? which one was more powerful. Yeah, it was an on and off circuit. Um, so you could tap out Morse code, you know, and you'd have a receiver mm-hmm. at the other end. Uh, how he was translating that into RC control, I'm sure it was only one control surface. Yeah. Um, you know, back in the day. Like, it would just float there and be like, left, 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 <laughs> you know. But one of the videos I saw said that there was another ship in that was caught in the ice field and was trying to warn the Titanic, and the Titanic was busy sending their passenger, like, updates to to land you know passengers were trying to contact people on land telling them i'm going to be arriving here or whatever like that mm-hmm. and since the titanic had such a a, a large a high-powered emitter yeah they basically told the, the 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 boat that was stuck in the ice to be quiet for a while we're trying to transmit and they were trying to warn the titanic about oh boy <laughs> the, the ice field yeah yeah that's funny where people's priorities were so then the next question i had was who is credited with the first successful flights of an RC helicopter? How do you expect me to know any of this stuff? <laughs> Dude, you're a helicopter guy. Yeah, but I don't go look up the history. I'm not that old yet. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was kind of um, fun to, to look at this oh, stuff. Man, RC helicopters. I mean, I'm sure like like the first true radio controlled, right? No wires. I know there was wired helicopters would just right. kind of lift off and then kind of hover and then crash. But um, radio controlled, though, I don't know. It's got to be in 
in this century, right? <laughs> like that, this century, yeah, like in nineteen seventies or something like that. It got, I don't, I have no idea. I, yeah, I don't know. Well, this is this is a who. It's a uh, Dieter Schuller. I don't know if I'm saying that name correctly. Schuller. It's a uh, it's it's German guy, German engineer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's kind of the main man or the father figure of RC helicopter back in the day. It was um. He basically was flying in the early 1970s. Okay. With kits that he was making himself. Yeah. I got um, close with the year at least, right? 1970. That's a late yeah, 1970s. Yeah. yeah. He was kind of he was kind of doing his own thing the way that um the TDR2 guy, the TDR guy is is kind of like yeah, is kind of making his own models mm-hmm. cuz he would make them and he would sell them and then a company, the Nuremberg Model Construction Company took over. And okay. you know, you know about that. That's a big toy event that they still have. Yeah, licenses were awarded to supplier-based German company called Grappner. <laughs> Grappner, okay. Yeah, um, I don't know if that's the same Grappner. I can only imagine it Probably, is. Probably, yeah. But yeah, um, so he's basically like the father figure. I guess did all the real serious legwork. Huh. I'd love to find out more about the models. Like, did they have any kind of gyro on them? Like, how, how did not. it work? I mean, I'm sure it was flybard. Mm-hmm. That's probably flybard, and who knows? Did they even have a tail rotor, or was it a coaxial, or was it like anything different? You know, yeah. even the first like manned helicopters were like, or like the test aircrafts were like coaxial and stuff. That wasn't like something that came out from mall kiosks. You know, like that was actually something that was been around for a while. Yeah, yeah. So, hmm, interesting. All right, what do we got next? One of, one of the other questions I have is, what was the year of the first commercial untethered electric helicopter electric yeah this was the first one that they were selling first like sales electric too yeah 1982 well close dude 1979 hey my birth year when i was born that that helicopter came out i almost said that's the year the movie alien came out Hmm. but you jumped in with your birth year i don't know if there's a (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sorry dude no nah, no worries yeah dude um the first commercial untethered electric helicopter commercially available multi-blade heads uh japanese uh-huh. company finally making a move for global sales futaba brings out high specification eight channel fm radio with mixers specifically for helicopters and it's the year of the first flight with true non-switch continuous inverted flight was that a hirobo or what's the company um, Hirobo was earlier, was a couple of years earlier, uh-huh. and they introduced a, a trainer okay. in nineteen seventy seven. But no, that was that looks like that was Futaba. Oh, Futaba, Futaba was the radio. Yeah. Actually, I don't know if that was a Futaba model. Hmm. And what in the information I could find, it didn't say it. Hmm. Interesting. So since we talk about like everything, and you just bought a uh, quadcopter, a uh, drone, a drone. <laughs> I mean, dude, there's so much you can you can uh, as far as planes go. There's a couple of YouTube videos out there that are like from the '50s where it's like, and you got the music and the guys like little Johnny learned to fly, and they're they're like got to be one channels because the guys are running alongside these things trying to make sure they don't tip over on launch, and you know it must be no throttle control. They just go up and yeah, and you can you can turn the rudder. It's and like the little it. Cox .049 engines. You just spin it and let it go and just hope for yeah. the best. <laughs> yeah, man. There's there's some good videos on it. 
yeah. I watched a few, and I, I did some more reading about uh, two guys I was going to mention. And <laughs> it's funny. Uh, actually, it's kind of a tragic story, but uh, there were two guys that were also credited with doing having a lot of work in uh, early RC airplanes, mm-hmm. Ross Hull and Clinton DeSoto. And I don't know if DeSoto is like car manufacturer DeSoto, like, like a relative. Mm-hmm. There were both officials in the American Radio Relay League, which was um, a governing body governing body of ham radio. Okay. So it, there was a lot of intertwining between ham radio and, and early RC. Sure. Because I think they were using VHF signals yeah. to control. One of the guys, Hulled, he died. Uh, this is back in 1930s. And one of the guys died um, in 1939 when he... When he accidentally contacted six thousand volts while he was working on an early television receiver, eek! That's yeah. a lot. That's pretty bad. Yeah. But the other question I had, dude, was what year was the first quadcopter flown? The first quadcopter, eighty-five. This can really be open to interpretation, but when I saw one of the pictures, I was like, "Yeah, that's a freaking quadcopter." It was nineteen oh seven. Holy crap, I was way off. <laughs> yeah, it was a four-rotor helicopter design. They called it uh, a rotary wing design. It could lip- lift off the ground, and uh, it did tethered flights, but it actually had huge kind of blades on them that, that were, they, they kind of like twisted and distorted the blades to actually control it. Hmm. I don't know how the hell that worked. Uh, maybe like a variable pitch, kind of like a helicopter with the rotor head. Yeah, but they were warping the actual blades, so yeah, maybe. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they had like a string on the tip going down the blade, and they could pull it <laughs> to like Ugh. yank the blade. I just, I don't know. I have no idea. That just they they have one of those things on the BMX bikes, the gyro thing on the BMX bike. So even though that the wheel's spinning, you can still have you know control. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but that's uh, yeah, that's crazy. From the reading I was doing, uh. What I read was the aircraft exhibited a considerable degree of stability and increase in control accuracy for its time. It made over a thousand test flights during the middle 1920s. Wow. It's like, I'm I'm wondering why I never heard about something like this. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know. But it's your standard like X shape, you know? Yeah. I guess they were used by the air service. That's cool, though. Wow. That's that's a lot. A lot older than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> it's off by like 85, 60, you know, 85 and I mean, years. The last one really wasn't, you know, your RC quadcopter, but. Mm-hmm. But a quadcopter, you know, right. But a quadcopter. Like, I had thought that that was just something recently that, you know, guys had come out with. Right. You know, like you're saying, since the 80s. Wow. Cool. So that's my little history lesson, kids. All right. I found a lot of other stuff, and I, I was reading a lot of stuff that was pretty fascinating. And when you see some of the video of, of these guys, we work on stuff for maybe a night, two nights when we're building stuff out of Dollar Tree foam. And these guys are building balsa kits and they're going up and straight up and coming down. And, you know, I guess that was normal back then. The, yeah. That, the, you know, there was no control. You just let it go. Had a motor on the front and, you know, you got out of the way. <laughs> and, you know, so you worked a couple of months on this thing and maybe you you were lucky to have 20 seconds worth of flight. Right. It's crazy, man. That's just, uh, yeah, I'm surprised the hobby survived. (laughs) 
You know, I, mean, I guess with technology advancing and actually having real control, yeah, made it easier and more rewarding, I guess. But uh, wow, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't see like taking a couple months to build something, and then basically having like one channel control and hoping that it'll take off and you'll be able to land in one piece, like, like really hoping, like because the odds are so stacked against you, you know. Well, the wings definitely had dihedral on all the models I saw in the video. You know, and it was just like your basic like V shaped to the main wings. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that all they had then was probably rudder control, and that rudder, was rudder, right? Yeah. So I guess maybe the motors pitched up that as long as the motor had power, it would try to take off and stay up, and they would just control left and right. Yeah. But damn, I mean, think about controlling a plane, a modern plane like you know something we fly today with just the rudder. Like, even if it went up by itself, like it had a slow two-degree incline, say, but think about just doing a rudder. Like, that thing will, like, tip over, no ailerons, no elevator to pull out of anything. Ugh. Yeah. It seems like it wouldn't work. That's why it's so foreign to me when I looked at those plans for the SE5, you know, like last year. it was uh-huh. That was a one channel yeah. was, you know, that I, that I took those plans from, and I'm like, uh, well, what does that mean? <laughs> Just the elevator, just right? The, just the rudder. Oh, no, just the you, rudder. You would actually move the elevator, I guess, to get it to where you wanted it. Mm-hmm. But it was, yeah, it was only rudder. Wow. Amazing, dude, the advances. When yeah. you see the video, I mean, they're cheering. This freaking thing flew for 15 seconds, and, you know, mm-hmm. they're all, people are cheering. Yeah, I think I saw a video like that on Facebook, like someone might have posted. That's and- a flight that now we're going, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Oh, no. Are you okay? You know? Yeah. Wow. As you know, I mean, as we go from like the start of RC or radio control to to kind of like the last 20 years, last 30 years, how far technology has really gotten us. It's it's mind-boggling. It's insane, like, you know. Right. There's there's other uh links between I think it's Futaba mm-hmm. who actually did radio control for the crane operators that's yeah. where they had i think they had a tie-in i don't know if that's where they started but i know they have a huge tie-in with crane operators i think it's futaba yeah futaba is actually the one who um developed 2.4 gigahertz oh really? the ones, yeah and it was all for crane operators to operate the cranes and that got like that technology bleeded into their rc division which you know at the time before 2.4 as you know as far as i can remember and you know i guess since whatever early 80s or not even early 80s mid 80s to late 80s was you know 27 megahertz um, am frequency band and then it went into 72 megahertz fm band FM, yeah yeah and then and then soon after uh not soon after but you know i guess more closer to the 90s it became well late well probably mid 90s i think it came 2.4 gigahertz and maybe even later than that i could be totally wrong on that well, you had the uh, the the chips that you were putting in the radio. Yeah, that was the AM for a and while. FM. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the crystals. Yeah, the they crystals. had frequency crystals that you had to match your model with that, and plus you had to make sure you weren't on the same frequency as anyone else because as soon as you power up your your transmitter, you would basically drown out the other person person who's flying, or you know, even RC cars back then. Yep, that's where I saw yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Now I, I know before when you were mentioning the UHF or VHF, yeah, VHF. frequency. 
Like, did it have like the bunny ears? <laughs> did it have the round circle for UHF <laughs> as an antenna? <laughs> I don't know. I really did more reading than I saw. Like, I watched a couple videos right before we started to record. Mm-hmm. But I know what you know. What kind of brought this on was somebody was posting on Facebook um, the Howard Hughes flying his RC uh, Spruce Goose. Mm-hmm. You know, doing a test on it. And he had the whole setup, like it was the, the yaw and the rudder pedals and everything, and he was down by the beach there. Yeah, yeah, that's I don't know the if one you I saw that saw, picture. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk more about the recent last twenty years. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I thought it was. I thought it was just interesting. No, just, you know, it's great stuff. It's, just some of the dates. Yeah. Even like what you say, eighteen hundreds. Like damn. Yeah, eighteen ninety eight. Eighteen ninety. Can you imagine like this type of technology back then? Must have been like. Blasphemy and like, <laughs> I don't know. Think about that advancement though in the last hundred years. 1898, you know, you had a hydrogen filled blimp throwing <sighs> sparks at it. <laughs> and then, you know, 1998, you know, a couple of years before 2000, uh, we're on the, on the verge of iPhones and, the, you mm. know, the whole entire planet and computers in our pockets and everything yeah. like that. But cell phones and the cell phones were out. Internet was out. Internet was out. The uh, pagers. <laughs> the pagers, uh, yeah. You know, like it's all that technology. Well, it's basically due to the uh, semiconductor, right? Silicon chips that made it work to fit into small devices. Like, you know, but they had computers from what? Maybe the 50s, 60s, maybe? You know, they're all tubed computers, like taking up big rooms to do basic math computations. Yeah, that I think really you'd have to uh, really define what a computer is. Yeah, because, you know, there, there's I've seen shows where they say, you know, like uh, the Chinese built one out of wood that could do computations back in, you know, whatever, you know, but what the yeah, abacus? I, <laughs> but no, no, no. But I'm, I'm saying, you know, yeah. uh, the, so I think, yeah, what you're talking about is the. The whole semiconductor, the the eighty eighty eight chip and all that. Yeah, um, that to me is the definition of you know microcomputer. You know, right? But I mean, even back before then, when they didn't have the silicon or semiconductors, they were using tubes, vacuum tubes, and yeah. basically, you know, because what a computer is basically zeros and ones, right, on and off. So, exactly. so they would use tubes to turn on and off and do the computations, and and like that's just and it used to take like whole buildings to basically fit into a T-1000 little Texas Instrument calculator. The T-1000. Yeah, yeah, whatever that one is. You know, the the little calculators everyone used to have in school, the scientific calculator. Yeah, yep. But it's funny that, like, something, you know, that technology from developing one chip and, you know, making the chip smaller and smaller and smaller and faster and faster, that, you know, you have something that took a whole building now fits into a calculator, now fits even more computing power in an iPhone and, you know, computers like laptops these days, like it's, it's insane, you know? Yeah. When you think that you have more memory in a, in a musical card that you can get at CVS Uh than what was in the, the capsules that took men to the moon. Yeah. That blows me away. Yeah. I mean, like I have a slide rule that somebody gave me Uh um, when I was in electronic school and that was electronic school was the early nineties. So, you know, I was working full time at a lumber yard and I was going to school at night and this guy actually gave me it and I have no idea how to use it. I couldn't tell you how to use it. It could do complex calculations that I was doing on my, you know, for electronic school, digital electronics on my 
on my uh, calculator because mm-hmm. uh, I was able to do a couple of things. Uh, but I'm thinking what blows my mind is like guys went to the moon. <laughs> and that's what they had. Risked their mm-hmm. lives on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on on this calculations that, on a ruler, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, think about before GPS when people, you know, sailors used to use whatever that thing is called. It looks like a, I don't know what it's called. It has like a little eyesight on it, and it's like a basically a triangle with the bottom half being a. Curve. Yeah, that's a sextant, and I don't know how that yeah. works either. I have no idea how it works, but people used to navigate with that. Navigate like, with that. Navigate yeah. by the stars. By the stars alone, you know, like you know, it's crazy how spoiled we are with technology, and you know, it's, and we see it today, like. Flying an RC helicopter, it's it is kind of hard, but it's not as hard as it was 15 years ago. You know, no. it's like not even five years ago, man. Yeah, you know. So so let's kind of go through the the evolution of just like the RC technology as we know it today. Um, so we okay. we talk about the the radio frequencies. How you know we used to be single band frequency AM FM, right? Where you had to get a different chip than someone else flying in that area. Um, you would have to get extra chips to like have all your models um, be able to work with that radio, with that transmitter, right? Yeah. So you had to buy all these chips. Then you had to buy extra sets that you could swap in, swap out. If, so if you go to the field and you're on 27.5 and someone's on that frequency, you know, you can't fly. So you'd have to change out those crystals to somewhere, you know, to where we are today with 2.4 gigahertz. And it's not even just 2.4 gigahertz where like, you know, like think about your video transmitters as you like, okay, I'm 5.830, right? Like I'm on a frequency, set frequency. Now, right. Radios, you know, spectrum, spectrum, you know, frequency hopping. You know, you hear all these terms on Futaba's um, version, spectrum versions, you know, all the other versions of radio manufacturers. And, you know, this thing is doing like jumping between like 200 channels or 60 channels or whatever the number is. Every like 0.2 milliseconds, like constantly bouncing, yeah. channel, finding the best clear channel and just bouncing, 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 bouncing constantly. So that way you have uninterrupted signal. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And think about you're not locked into one channel. Yeah. And think about when when you have the receivers today, like even a Lemon RX DSMX receiver. How small is that thing? It's like a couple little chips, some wiring connectors, you know, a little power bus system to handle the the five volts. And it's tiny. It's like a size of a stamp. Yep. I can go back even further than that, man. One of my first experiences with with radio control had to be in the 70s. Mm -hmm. Was a a friend of mine uh, around Christmas time had gotten a Batman car or one of these these remote control cars. I think it was the Batmobile. Okay. And... You remember the turn in reverse? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cars. That's yeah, what it, it was. Would go, it would go forward. <laughs> it had, it was basically one channel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then it would turn in reverse. Yeah. Kind of back up and turn to the to the left. It came with that little like cheesy music wire antenna with the little <laughs> round ball at the end, and it was, like just it would basically like flop everywhere if you moved it, like bouncing back and forth. Yep. Uh huh. I remember those. Oh my god, I hated that. Yeah, I re- and I remember, uh, I remember having another one. Oh, it was a van. Boy, we're going back now, man. I think the first actual RC car that I had that could do forward and reverse and turning 
was a was a van. I don't remember even what it was called. I remember it came with these little cones, and I used to set them up in the street and try and drive the thing in and out of the cones, and that was it. It was no good on carpet. Yeah, I mean, it was the size of a you know of a brick, really cinder block. Right. I guess it was kind of big for its time. Mm-hmm. It took C batteries. That's the other thing, dude. Remember the yeah. batteries you everything had to go through? Be, yeah, everything was D or C. Yep. And in the in the transmitter was all double A's, and you'd go yep. through those so fast. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hated that. So yeah, that was it's crazy, right? So it's crazy. Just radio, like talking about radio technology, and it's crazy because when you know we were at Flight Fest 2016, and what was the record? 100 and it was 157. 157. I thought it was 170 something, but okay. I Even, think they counted that they 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 thought they had 179, and it yeah, wound up being 159 or something like that. So. 159 different aircrafts in the air, all on 2.4 gigahertz for the most part. Maybe there was some that were not on 2.4, maybe on LRS and doing a 900 megahertz system or something. But for as far as I can tell, everyone was on 2.4. Yeah. That's, you know, like that's amazing. And a lot of them must have cheap receivers. I don't think anyone's spending big money. And a lot of it was Spectrum, Graupner. You know, if you think about it, Futaba's the one who really developed the 2.4 gigahertz radio, as far as I know. So, if I'm if I'm stating mistakes, please correct me. But uh, you know, like they developed that FHSS and the fast and the fastest and all this different technology oh, okay. to, to get the best, you know, 2.4 frequency hopping signal possible. Where you know, basically trying to reduce or eliminate interference completely. And, you know, then you have all these planes in the air flying at the same time. It's Bill's favorite word. Epic. That was epic. <laughs> okay, so then let's that's radio. Let's talk about battery technology. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, we were talking about alkaline batteries that basically gave you, like, you know, maybe 10-minute run time, and that's it. Like, they're done. You have to replace, you know? I think it was 20 minutes, dude, and I yeah. was replacing the batteries. And I'm talking some of the older models like in the yeah, 70s yeah. Right. the the futaba radio i had for my rc car the tamaya falcon i had uh those batteries i had eight batteries in the handle of that thing and those batteries would last pretty good if you remember to shut the radio off yep yep so they, they would last okay yeah so you're running eight battery eight double a batteries in series you know 1.5 volts like yeah <laughs> yeah 12 That's, volts yeah and then and then what basically came around as far as i remember is NICAD or nickel metal hydride, right? Yeah. Yep. So I think NICAD was my first like six cell NICADs and those Radio Shack RC cars. Yeah. They had the six. Yep. I used to get tons of them with the wall charger and it had the Tamiya battery connector. Yeah. And yeah, like that, you got like maybe seven minutes of runtime and then we waited like an hour to charge the battery. The only way I could charge that battery was on my car. I only had a 12-volt connector for my... Oh, I had the wild one, but it it felt like it took overnight. I don't even remember. It felt like it took forever. Mine, mine charged pretty quick. When I say quick, it was like maybe 40 minutes, 45 minutes it would charge. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I don't think I got too long of a time frame out of it. Maybe six minutes, six, right. seven minutes, something like that. And And not even that. It wasn't powerful. Yeah. I mean, let's let's kind of bump it up. So, NICAD, nickel metal hydrate, and then then light poles came out, and you know that just like 
a beast of a battery compared to those older batteries. Yeah, what's funny is when I go back to the old Falcon and I put, like, I didn't realize, I didn't even know what that was back in the day, the nickel metal hydride. Like, I didn't even Mm -hmm. know. I think I I remember it being 7.4 or something like that, whatever. Yep, 6L, 7.4, yep. Right, volts. And so when I would see that, I mean, the case, you you would see the actual compartment where that battery they're supposed to go and the size mm-hmm. of it. So I automatically assume, oh, nowadays it's got to be a, a, a three cell lipo, but it's not. No, it's I'm a two putting, cell. Yeah, I'm putting two cells like in this Falcon, dude, and it's still brushed motor, still like, I don't even think I changed the speed controller. I still have the, uh-huh. the manual speed controller and all that in there, driven by a servo. And I was getting 20 minutes driving around. Yeah, because you had the capacity. It was ridiculous, man. Yeah, so I mean, you're you're getting so much more juice out of lipos now, so much more amperage, right? So much more amperage, yeah. Higher flow of electricity going through that, and availability of that, you know, oomph is just there now. Yeah, and even then, like lipos of five years ago to lipos of today have have grown. Yeah, you know, lipos when they first started coming out, you hear horror stories. People didn't, you know. People who flew planes didn't want to convert to electricity. They wanted to stay nitro because they could run a 4AA receiver pack for their radio control and just run a nitro engine with some nitro, you know, gasoline um, fuel. And they were good. They yeah. never had any issues. When LiPo started coming out, those things used to blow up all the time. Fires, like crazy. It was so unstable. But I don't know if that was the battery or if that was people not realizing, hey, I got to. Well, it's both. I- I have to, because I still see it nowadays. Like my brother-in-law got a drone, a drone, a little like uh, you know, hundred-dollar little thing, mm-hmm. um, and this is a couple of years ago. And he bought it from Horizon Hobby, and he said, you know, I have I'm having problems with the battery, and I'm like, well, what's going on? And he's like, well, I charge it, and when I go to go to use it, you know, it's it's always dead. And I go, well, are you charging it all the way up every time and leaving it on the charger? And he's like, yeah, just until I'm ready, until I'm ready to use it. And I'm like. No, yeah, dude, you nope. gotta, you gotta uh, either charge it halfway, or you know, not charge it fully, or or just charge it when you want to use it. Yeah, the double A's and the and the C's and the D's, you can leave them on a charger. You can leave that stuff plugged in. Yeah, they're not the same type of battery. Yes. So I don't know if that's why a lot of horror stories were, you know, coming out about lipos, or if maybe it was the batteries. I don't know. Well, because I mean, when when you're talking about electric trick planes right back in the days they were running the nickel metal hydride right so so when you're running that yeah you can kind of drain the battery down and it doesn't really matter and you can kind of leave it fully charged it doesn't really matter because it, it acted like an alkaline battery it yeah. was just a rechargeable version of it now with the lipos you know not, we all know now today like you know that that middle ground is where you want to be with that battery you never want to fully charge or fully empty either end of that spectrum is really bad for the battery and can cause issues. Um, not even that, charging technology has changed. I think yeah. they've gotten so much smarter with the balance charging and stuff and monitoring the battery a little more carefully than just like, here's just juice getting plugged into the main connector and let it you know, keep filling up until it, it gives enough resistance that it stops. Like That's not the way lipos are going to you know, have longevity or or be safe, right? Well, now, did the first lipos come out without a balance lead, or did they always have balance lead? Because that 
could attribute to you know overcharging too. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm, that's That'd a good question. I, I'd, I'd love, I'd love to find out because that's that to me is the main difference between lipos that I'm using nowadays and and the nickel metahydrides of the past. There was no balance lead, like you said. It would charge until it got enough resistance and then shut off. You know, I kind of feel like it didn't because I mean, I was out of the hobby for a while there. You know, I wasn't, yeah, me too. So I wouldn't know. Yeah, I I don't know. I I mean, if and any of our listeners know the answer to that, let us know. Um, I'd be definitely interested in knowing if it actually had a balance lead or if it was just just power leads or was it more? You know, when the first lipos came out, were they single cell maybe and they didn't have balance leads? You know? Yeah. So that could that'd be. be that'd be interesting to know. And and I think you know lithium polymer came after the lithium ion. I think lithium ion was kind of. I could be mistaken oh. on this too. And lithium ion, I don't think has balance charges. It's like your your, you know, um, battery in your cell phones and your your laptops and stuff. Yeah, you know. So I don't know if they do. So maybe maybe they went from lithium ion to a, a polymer, and then it was like, why isn't it working the same? Why is it blowing up? Who knows? <laughs> so, <clears throat> anyways, um, but yeah, you know, batteries have improved greatly over the years i mean it's insane to think that like you know when i remember lipos like it wasn't it wasn't anything big and now i mean i'm buying these you know 275 dollar 12 s 5000 packs like jesus you know wow man it's it's just insane you know compared to like even when we first got in the hobby like oh six s packs no no i'm okay with these 3s 2200s yeah right exactly yeah i was using 3s 2200s for everything i didn't want to even get a 4s yeah yeah and even then it was like oh i'll just buy the hobby king ones because you know like even spending 20 bucks when you first get in a hobby for a one pack is like oh boy but um so let's let's talk about like i know we we spoke about it on the last episode of the future with uh gyros right like receivers go first of all receivers have gone small antennas super long and now they're integrating receivers with gyros so you know you could get a hero sandwich with your your rx pack uh, uh, i was gonna say that man <laughs> i was gonna say it was a good place on 43rd and 6th where i get a good gyro there you go yeah so we got stabilization right and that we see on everything now yeah, that's that's so funny when you watch some of the old videos like I was talking about that I had just watched before we started recording. You could see within the first five seconds of this one dude flying. Now this was like further on into the fifties and the and the sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, so he probably had you know two tra- two channel or three channel. Maybe he, I don't think he had ailerons, but he definitely had he definitely had elevator and rudder and but there was no expo. I mean, as soon as the first five seconds of this guy flying, I'm like, yeah, he doesn't have expo on that because you can tell it's just up, down, up, down, twitchy, you know, but he's flying along, but he's just real twitchy with it. Yeah. I mean, and kind of going back to that, like computer radio systems. Yeah. Like that technologies. That was like, I mean, that was as big as 2.4 in my opinion. And I think that came out around the same same time, if if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because they were doing mechanical ways of doing expo and i just mm-hmm. that just must have been a complete nightmare oh yeah they must yeah. have been no wonder it was so successful like when they came out with it in the radio because guys were probably like thank god i don't have to do that anymore yeah mess around with linkage or dual servos controlling one control surface right right 
Yeah. So I mean, so that's that's wow, right? Another very big advancement, computer radio system. Because before that, I mean, like mixing had to be done mechanically, right? So that's why you had fiberless units and and had you know, like you must have used some weird connectors to get like you know, cyclic servers to work in a helicopter. Like I don't even know. That's gotta have been just insane. Yeah. I mean, so you got like fly rollers, which is mechanical um, stabilization. You know, then they went to um, they went to other. They went to an, a gyro, which was mechanical. There was actually like a spinning top in a, in a little enclosed uh, thing that would like sense when a you know when a say a helicopter was rotating or whatever, and that would be the gyro. And oh. then they went and then they went all electronic to MEMS and whatever the other gyros are now. And know? the phone technology probably helped out with that. The Wii yeah. technology. I mean they still call it the, the multi Wii. The multi Wii board is from the mm-hmm. Wii. Yeah. And then, you know, another thing that started really coming out which helped uh, is uh, the the GPS stuff, right? So that got yeah. that got that started getting implemented into R C too. Um, you know, I, I know some people that fly their helicopters with GPS, like not to know the position, but to like use it as like a rescue function. Like, oh crap, something's messing up, you know, and they would kind of self-level and it would lock it into place. Really? So, who, so people, who? a couple of customers of my local hobby shop back in my old town used to use it. And this oh, one wow. person, is, uh, he was a doctor, um, loves flying helicopters, but just, I guess, and, you know, he's a doctor, so I'm guessing he had the money, but he never wanted – he didn't really like to crash. So he would put the NASA flight controllers on his helicopters, on his Goblin 570, Goblin 700, like all the big, you know, up-to-date today's helicopters. He would put a NASA on there and have GPS, you know, all the stabilization and stuff like that. So the NASA H or whatever, the heli mode version. What f- kind of flybar controller was he using? NASA. It's DGA NASA. Oh, that's what he was using. Yeah, that had a general oh. sensor and everything, compass and a barometer. Like it was like having like an APM or a Pixie Pixie Hawk or Pixie Hawk. Yeah, for a helicopter. Oh, I thought he was using that plus uh, flybar controller or something. No, no, no yeah, this was it was all built into one. So that's pretty crazy, and and it's you know nowadays like it's not uncommon for helicopters to have safe uncommon for it to have rescue like and i think the latest uh, advancement and especially on the helicopter side i mean i think for planes the as3x and that type of um safe and you know self-leveling and you know like gyro sensing for like external winds and stuff it's kind of in my opinion have kind of topped off or like leveled off plateaued but on the helicopter side they're getting big into integration now oh yeah yeah, so I mean, think about it. the V control. That's fully integrated. That's full control oh, over you your fiberless unit on your transmitter. Three Digi has full integration with Jetty, I want to say, and Gropner. Jetty also has full integration with Icon, or or, it's that, or that's coming out soon. So that's cool. You could have a third party. <clears throat> even Gropner has it on their own stuff, right? Just like V control or, or V bar, right? They have, you know, use a V control. You can use their V bar Neos, and you can fully control everything. Gropner has their own like flybarless units that are receivers. Oh, right. Yep. That you fully program through the thing. If you use Gropner's ESC, you can even program the ESC through the the transmitter. 
like that type of integration i think is is where a lot of things are going that you never need to hook up a third party programming box or not a third party but an external programming box you don't have to connect to a laptop anymore i think eventually people are going to start collaborating different companies can collaborate with each other and open up their you know like basically like an api access to their hardware and software to be able to program it all directly from the transmitter because they are computers so you know you get those zeros and ones correct and you can pretty much program anything nice yeah so. i never thought about it like that especially the esc that could be something definitely yeah. in the future to that we can mm-hmm. see. Yeah, I think um, they already have it, Contronic already has it with Jetty, with the J-Log or some one of those things. So you can program the ESC from the Jetty radio. Jetty from yeah. the block? Yeah. The J-Log? <laughs> J-Log. Nice. Oh, boy. But yeah, technology is insane. You know, we, we live in very interesting times. We do, man. Like, especially when you think about like the 90s weren't that long ago okay now we're talking maybe 20 years ago but still yeah when you watch episodes of seinfeld and you're like well why didn't they just text each other or why didn't they just call each other well they didn't have that back then yeah you know half of those episodes wouldn't exist if they were able to text each other mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's 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 amazing man and and you know i i give it i give it all down to the semiconductor <laughs> The mighty semiconductor. That once that got invented, that just kind of skyrocketed technology in our generation. Like it's crazy that we saw the birth of the internet, the birth of, you know, personal computers, the birth of the smartphone. Kids these days, Chloe's nine, turning ten this year. It's a given. Like it's she takes all the internet, TVs, you know, satellite, like all this stuff, smartphones, all for granted because it's existed. It exists. They, they don't know a world without it. Right. You know, you and I, I mean, you probably more so than I, no offense, but, um, no. you know, when I grew up in the, you know, I remember the 80s and the early 80s. I remember my first computer. My first home computer was a 486DX2. So it was uh, um, 52 megahertz CPU processing. Had like 256 megabytes of RAM and like, I don't know, like, no, sorry. It had eight gigs, eight megabytes of RAM, and it had two hundred fifty-six megabytes of hard drive. And you, I mean, I don't know what you have, but now, like, my laptop right now is that I'm doing a record on um, is two point eight gigahertz. You know, so that's like twenty-eight hundred megahertz. Uh, you know, with sixteen thousand megabytes of RAM and and whatever. Uh, what is it? 250,000 megabytes of, of, you know, hard drive, like if you were compared to the specs to spec. And it's insane. And that was the last 20 years? Sherman, set the Wayback Machine for 1980. Mm-hmm. Dude, my first computer, which I still freaking have, by the way, somewhere, I know I got it somewhere, was a TRS-80, which Ugh. was <laughs> Radio Shack's uh-huh. cheesy computer, dude. And I, used I mean, to, that was my real first computer. I, I mean, I, I, can't, I would consider Commodore 64 a computer, but I mean, and that's Commodore, only 64, kilo, 64 kilobytes. Commodore 64 was light years ahead of this, but uh, yeah. was, I think it was cheaper. Commodore was a little more expensive. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it was a TRS-80, the Model 1, not even a Model 2. It was the big gray <laughs> monster. Uh-huh. And, and I remember it came with 4K of memory. 
I used to bang away on this freaking computer. Like we used to write our own programs. Me and friend, I had two other friends of mine that had computers at the time. One guy had a Tandy two. His father used for business. The other guy got a Timex Sinclair. I think they were like ninety nine dollars at the time. Yeah, which they is were, probably like a thousand dollars. Yeah, you, you remember those things? They were really small, yeah. uh-huh. and those those had four K. And I can remember it being like a huge deal in my house when that computer got upgraded to sixteen K of memory. Yeah, we had to bring it down to Radio Shack, and they had to do it. And mm-hmm. dude, I used to save programs to tape to a tape cassette yep. tape. <laughs> I mean, you had you had to had the special proprietary cassette tape machine mm-hmm. that connected because it had like one more pause or something on it or an aux channel on it. Yeah, yeah. but the BPS was different. They always set a different like proprietary BPS, so it would. Yeah, you know, do whatever, but yeah, it's crazy. So I had a friend of mine, dude. I, I I lost touch with him after high school, but we used to go to the arcade and we would play games in the arcade. And he was so good with math, he'd come home and write the programs for him. Like we would play Missile Command was the one with the big ball in the middle, and you know you had mm-hmm. to shoot the the stuff coming down. I can remember yeah. him making that game. There was another one where you had to land the lunar spacecraft like on the surface of the moon. It was called Lunar Lander. And he came. He, we came home, and he, like the next week, he had written the program for that, and we used to play that on his on his father's machine. Man, damn, what's his name? Bill Gates? No, dude. This, <laughs> they, like, they were real strict. Like his parents were real strict. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I think he wound up going in the navy, and I don't know what happened to him. But he was huh. a smart. He was a smart kid, man. Wow. He was always more into the like the the mathematical side of things, and my friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry and I, we were always more into the graphical stuff. Like I would, I would, I would write programs and create games that were more graphically orient oriented, and uh, he would. Yeah, so he, you had the logic, make, you had the design. Yeah, it was, so yeah. It was, we used to have a good time, but man, like I said, like you were saying about the the card, the memory on the card is more than you know what they had in the sixties to send men to the moon. Yeah, yeah, that that's a long way back, dude. It really is. It's about crazy that technology, and that's only what forty years. Yeah. That was like your mid age, right? That was that was my mid. That was when I was in my forties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's move it on. We got news. Okay. Uh, I don't have any news. Do you have news? I thought I saw some news. Oh wait a I minute! Do. I do have news. I have news too. Well, let's hear your news. Well, let's hear yours first. All right. My news is real quick. Okay. And it's basically uh, a shout out to uh, RCHN guys because I just got a chance to catch up and Mm -hmm. um just want to give those guys a huge shout out um they didn't have to mention us in episode 257 um but they did and dan mentioned it in 256 i believe right like uh, he did a show in the beginning yeah yeah um but you know that's 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 what they did they mentioned it you know i went on the free fall uh podcast and and blah 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 and that you know that was it they didn't have to mention us again and they did right and i thought it was really cool and i just had a comment about their show in particular, you know, for guys that aren't into RC helicopters, yeah, they get into RC helicopter discussions that are yes. really intense, like super intense with physics mm-hmm. and and disc loading and, and just, every, just every, geometry and like just technology and how like things work and yeah, they get really scientific about it. I'll say, yeah, they're like professors. <laughs> There's a lot of episodes that still go over my head. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to tell our listeners that that you know aren't into helicopters at all or anything to give them a try and listen to them because yeah. 
even if you have no interest in helicopters, they touch on a lot of important stuff. Like when they talk about their their workbench maintenance and mm-hmm. keeping their area clean and radios and different types of charging cases and yeah. even charging safety in general, they, they, they've yeah. touched on. I mean, there's so many more aspects of the hobby they touch on other than helicopters. They probably don't, they probably realize it, but they don't realize it, you know? Right, right. So uh, it dawned on me today, you know, like we have, we have listeners that probably don't listen to them because they think they're just a helicopter podcast and yeah. they are, but they also have great tips for all aspects of the of the yeah. hobby and i mean they're hobbyists right just like everyone else whether you're into helis multi rotors drone racing or um, you know airplanes yeah. we we also we all use batteries we all use radio transmission we all have models that we crash and fix right so, we all have a workbench we all yeah. have you know they have great i like i said a while back the whiteboard the whiteboard idea was great uh-huh. i got i picked up one of those i got that in the garage Yep. Un- unfortunately, the same thing's been written on it for like a month because I haven't done anything. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man, That's I mean, uh-huh. definitely give those guys a listen because they'll help you yes. out, even if you and, don't understand what they're talking about yep, as far and, as like the helicopter aspect. Yes. Even if you don't understand any of the helicopter stuff, they're really funny yeah. group of guys. They, you know, I know Dan was mentioning about you and I, like we have good uh, whatever synergy or just like a good like rapport i guess that that you know makes the show interesting for folks but i mean these guys have it 10 times more in my opinion like yeah they have it just as much yeah even if i don't really if a lot of the helicopter stuff or the technical stuff does go over my head like just them talking to each other and joking around and you know just the Tom Fooley of it all, like it's just, it's great. It's such a good, entertaining show. So, definitely uh, recommend it. It's RCHN uh, version 2.0, uh, RC Heli Nation. Find it on all your podcast streaming sites. Have you found RCHN version 1.0 yet? You know, I, I truthfully, I haven't had time to really take a look. After that episode, I did some digging on the internet, but yeah, I didn't come across anything. But, anyways, um, I got some news. Yeah, dude, what's your news? Um, uh, my team manager, Rich Knapp, reached out to me today, and he offered me a rep position with Oxy Heli. So now I'm repping also Lynx and Oxy. I mean, they're both the same company, but oh, cool. Wow, man, congratulations. Thank yeah, you. I was going to say, I thought you were a, a rep already. I am for Lynx. That was for Lynx. Yeah, strictly for Lynx stuff. Um you know, and I guess that was kind of my like get my feet wet into the Lynx company, the Lynx Heli Innovation Company, and um, yeah, he reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to be an Oxy Heli f- helicopter field rep, and I was like, yeah, that'd be great. I love the helicopters, you know. I, I fly yeah. them every weekend. Like every time I fly, I definitely fly them, and even when I don't fly the bigger helis, I fly my Oxys, like for sure. Yeah, we talk about them constantly. Yeah, and he was just like. Okay, done. <laughs> nice. So, so yeah, that happened today. Um, and one one thing I had a question about though, when I was like, you know, I said I'll do it, but I was like, ooh, does that mean I'm restricted on airframes? Like because it's a helicopter airframe company? And yeah. no, no, not at all. <laughs> okay, that's good. I would think yeah. they can't unless they were a company that made all sizes. Yeah, I, I would yeah. think they they really couldn't restrict their guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, I wouldn't go and say, like, okay, I have an Oxy-3. I wouldn't just go and buy, like, the Gowie X3 and, and 
stop finding oxy you know like you know because they make an oxy three size i wouldn't i would never stop or buy any other model because to tell you the truth i mean you i mean our listeners definitely know because we rave about it but uh every time i fly the oxys i just i have a great time i have so much fun yeah. You know, I know people see me flying it and they see how much fun I'm having and, you know, they're like, oh, man, I, maybe I should get one of these, right? Like it makes them think twice about like do I buy brand A or do I try an Oxy because – Yeah, I, I let I let Chris fly it up at uh, Chris Ribert's thing up there in New York. I let Chris D fly it mm-hmm. and I thought I let another guy fly it. You did. Or I was, um, was going to let Phil fly it. Uh, he was like, no, no, no. I'm like, go ahead, dude. You can't bang it up any worse than I've <laughs> done. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's my little bit of news. Um, I think it's it's awesome. I I'm glad. That's great, dude. Uh, I think Lynx and Oxy are a great company and a great brand. So there was really no reason for me not to accept this. So yeah, I did. Awesome, dude. So now, what are the pilots that are they team pilots? The guys that can only fly the 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 brands like the the if if, if SAB sponsors. Yeah, you, so, you're so, not a rep. You're a team pilot. So certain companies, I mean, every each company is different. I'm guessing, you know, like I don't think any one company is the same. But do they still restrict rep reps, or is it just when you move up into the team pilot that they restrict you to their specific brand? Yeah, I think um, I I don't know for sure. I oh, have okay. a feeling that certain companies operate differently, and they would make you stick with their airframe, say, if it's an airframe company or their motors. Okay. Dep- depending on, you know, like, as a rep, they might not, they might let you, like, it's okay to fly other, you know, brands, but if you fly at a fun fly and you're representing the company, that's when, you know, like, kind of, like how Gina was talking about, right? Like, you know, she's she's a field rep for Gawi. Any events that she flies... She flies a Gowie, but like at her home field, you know, when it's not a, a fun fly or not, not any type of position where she needs to kind of rep the company, she she flies her TSA in Nitro or whatever. And, and yeah, you know, they're not, they don't, oh, you can't do that. You know, they're cool. Some companies are cool like that where they'll let you, like, okay, it's not a problem. But, you know, when it comes to like competition or, or a big fun fly where there's a lot of publicity and photos, people taking photos and stuff, and you're wearing like, you know, a yeah, gawish yeah, yeah. uh, shirt, you know, that you're flying like a goblin, like yeah, that might be frowned upon. We'll, we'll say that, right? Yeah. So, but that's cool, one thing man. I like about the Oxy and the Lynx helis is that they don't have that type of restriction, you know. Um, as long as you're doing, you're helping people in the hobby and and progressing the hobby for for you know you yourself and everyone that that it's okay. So that's awesome, dude. Congrats, okay man. Thank you. All right, so let's move on. What's next for you in the hobby? <laughs> What's next for you, man? I didn't write anything down. Okay, so I do want to make a correction. Not last episode, but the episode before where uh, the whole gang's here. You know, we got we got Chris and Nick on the show. Yeah. I made a mistake saying that I was getting married the week that, that next week, but it's actually two weeks from that, which is tomorrow. You're getting so, married tomorrow? I'm getting married tomorrow. I, we what? have the day off, and we're gonna go do this thing. Oh, dude! Well, congrats again. Thank you. So, so that's uh, next for me. Not really in the hobby, but in my life, which is probably gonna affect everything. But, um, you know, in a <laughs> yeah, good it's a way. Small little thing that's gonna affect everything. Everything in a good way. In a good way. Yeah. In a good way. 
in a oh, positive. That's awesome, and, dude. Yeah, yeah, I'm stoked about it. So I guess this is my last <laughs> night as a single person or or unmarried person. I'll say because you know I don't consider myself single in any way. And um, you're spending it with the listeners. I'm spending it with our listeners. Yes. Nice. Trying to pick out what Shelly to buy next. <laughs> Got to get it in there. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's the next thing I, I, that I have going is what Helly to buy. You know, I, I put a post on our Free Farsi podcast Facebook page, and I, you know, I, borrow, I pretty much came down to the these two Hellies. It's a Protos Max V2, but stretched to 800 millimeter, so 800 size Helly, or the Synergy 766. They're both considered 700. I didn't. For some reason, I didn't consider the Goblin 770 competition. I don't know. I have a Goblin 700. If I wanted to, I could stretch it to 770. Yeah. I don't. I don't feel like I, I want to. You know, this whole venture of buying all these helis is not because. Um, you know, please. I hope no one thinks that I'm not happy with SAB helis. I do love my Goblins and love flying them. Had a great time last Sunday flying them. But um, buying the Mikado Logo 700 kind of opened my eyes to like. That different heli manufacturers design and engineer their helis differently, and they fly differently, and they feel different. The Mikados are very light, so it's very floaty, very smooth, and I really like that. So I was figuring, you know, what what does the Synergy have compared to that? What does uh, the MSH have? Or, you know, I was thinking about a Gawi X3ZF or the, the new one that's coming out. You know, and I, and I was also considering a Black Thunder 700 because I do like SABs. But keeping in line with, like, this whole kind of recent itch to buy, like, try new brands, I'm really leaning towards um, the Synergy. But nice. That, but that Protoss is right there because of the price. It's just like, you know, and I know the parts are cheap. I know. But, yeah, the Synergy, just it's cool. Uh, the one thing I don't like about the Synergy, as far as I can tell, that canopy is that canopy. Like, you know, I I think there's, like, different color schemes, but it's still the same, obviously, same canopy design. It's like a, it's a three-piece canopy. So there's the two backsides and then the one main that you take off to get to the belt, uh, to the batteries. I like the way that one looks, man. Uh, yeah. I've, I've always liked the way that one looks. I do like it. I just, you know, I don't want to go to the field and like, oh, look, Ed has the same heli and I have the same heli. It just looks the same. I kind of like to to have a little. little customize. Yeah, customize my touch of like style and coloring, you know, on it. Um, obviously, I do like the white and orange, you know, if if, uh, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> you yeah. know, orange is, uh, you know, dominating my fleet now. But, but yeah, I want, I want to see if maybe we could get um some custom canopies for it. But yeah, I am leaning towards the 766. I think that might be my next big heli, and that is, you know, considered an 800 size, I guess. I don't know. It's yeah. 766 millimeter. It's a big bird. 14S Jeez, setup. Dude. 14S. So that'd be interesting. I don't even have a balance connector for my iCharger 4010 that handles 14S, unless I plug directly into the charger. So I have to get a balance charger with that, but oh, that, wow. that's, that's small stuff. That's not nothing to worry about. It can handle 10s. I just don't have the balance connector port for it. So <laughs> I, I just wanted to say that you yeah. posted that on Facebook. Which one should I get? 
you know the Pros V2 or the the Synergy 766, and Bill was more than helpful by posting once the 766, and then the next one posting the Protoss V2. <laughs> yeah. So, oh man, yeah, that's uh, thanks for the, thanks for the help, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> loud. I heard uh, you loud and clear. <laughs> I can't really bust his chops too bad because I did hit him in the head with an airplane. You owe him one. <laughs> <laughs> Besides that, I, I want to get that, that drone flying. Right now, I'm in my awesome family room. with It's a red wall with so much white patches. It looks pink. And I'm, I, I stood this whole time because my couch is covered in plastic to Oy. keep the dust and paint off of it. Paint plastic all over the floor. You know, it's just. Damn, dude. Two-hour podcast and you stood the whole time? Yeah, I said the whole time. Oh, you should have told me. I would have stood up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm going to do that. I want to get some flying in this weekend, so hopefully uh, we can shoot. Sunday will be nice enough. Um, we can shoot to go yeah. flying. Yeah, it should be cool. Yeah, I'm uh, – oh, is it this Sunday? When's this freaking – I'm going to the Giants game. That's Oh, it's next Sunday. That's like Sunday the 5th? No, the 11th. I'm going to see Cowboys-Giants. Ah. And it, it's a night game. Okay. So, yeah, I won't be flying that weekend. Unless you go Saturday, right? Unless I fly on Saturday, yeah. yeah. But I think, um, well, this weekend I got the the wife is going away on Saturday. She's going down to Florida, and she's going to be gone for just a couple of days. So you're going to fly all day Sunday and actually not miss out on half the fun? Oh. Yeah. Ouch. I'm going to fly all day Sunday, bro. That's good. <laughs> That's cool, man. Um, yeah, it's different. And I can't, I mean... You know, we left at like, I left at five and like probably about four thirty. So I even had, um, yeah, I didn't mention this really, but uh, I don't know. It was starting to get dark. I had two battery packs for the Logo Seven Hundred, and you know, I kind of worked my way up to the bigger helis, and you know, I flew to Goblin, and then, and then I was like, oh crap, I have two packs for the Logo. So I flew one. It it was pretty hard to see. Um, you know, it was getting dark where it's like, ugh, yeah, I, I don't know if I went, but I was like. You know, it was still light enough to fly, but it just for my comfort, I was just like, eh, you know, just I, I'm kind of getting tired at this point. But I was like, Devin, you want to burn it through a pack? So he actually flew my logo with the VTX 717s on it. And, uh, yeah, he, you know, he took it easy, but he did his, like, you know, windshield wiper move thing that he does. And, and nice. you know, he got, got a chance to check out this uh, another heli. So. Yeah, I think he said he liked it. He said he liked the blades and it felt very light and smooth. So we'll see. I think we're going to – I don't think we're going to meet up with them this weekend. I think uh, Rob said he had uh, robotics or something with his school. Or... They're going to have to join the club pretty soon, man. I think so. If they keep coming down, somebody's going to be like, hey, did they join the club? They should. I mean, it's not that much. Yeah, it's not that much, and the, the, just initially, it's a little bit. But that renewal is, you know, it's not bad at all. They did invite us to their club too, so not next week, but okay. maybe that Saturday because that's oh yeah, that might work. The, the 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 Saturday the weekend you have the Giants Cowboys game. Oh, dude, that weekend's going to be completely screwed up for me. Yeah, because I have company party on Friday night at six p.m. Then we have our club party at 7.30 p.m. on Friday night, and I'm totally ditching the company party to go to the club party. Oh, did you that, sign up for that? Yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't sign up. I don't know if I can and, get in. 
and then Saturday I have one of my buddies from high school is hosting a, a Star Wars marathon party, which I'm not even sure if I'm going to be able to make. Oh, um, okay. Don't you do that last year? You said no. I, I didn't go to it. He did it again. He did it last year. Yeah, but I didn't. Uh-huh. I didn't go to it. Uh, and then Saturday night, I have another Christmas party that's a friend of ours is throwing, and they throw a pretty good one. So, and that starts at four. Okay. And then Sunday's the Giants game, and my wife said I should take off Monday, but I don't have any time left. I don't have any time to take off. <coughs> no, I, dude, I never call in sick. No. If I can't stand, then I call in sick. Like if I actually physically can't stand up, like then I then I usually call in sick. But I never call in sick, man. So on that note, <laughs> we'll probably. I think after the fifty-second episode, right after the next episode, I think maybe that might be a good time to take a break. Oh, really? What do you think? Or maybe wait till the Christmas time, which will be like two weeks after that. Is it two weeks after that? Oh man, I got to do some shopping. Yeah, me too. I don't know. We'll have to feel it out. Yeah, we'll figure it if out. If you can't, if you can't make one, I'm sure I can get somebody to come on and talk to my dumbass. No, oh, boy. Now I got to bribe someone else. Oh, I mean, uh... <laughs> I'm sure we could find Fred. See what he's doing. Ah, <laughs> oh, boy. Um, or get Nick on the show, or yeah, yeah. I'm sure we can find people to I'll come just on. Get the show. Kyle Stacy to come back on when you're not on. Sure, that works. He'll, he'll talk to me. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I do want to. I I don't want us to get burnt out, right? You know, it's no, I like hear you. it's it's getting not not that it's stressful to do this, but it's like it's it's getting a bit hard to time things and and topic wise and really commit a lot of um, effort recently, just because you know we're both really busy, especially for myself. I'm just. Burning the candle at both ends, right? So, but um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I definitely want. I mean, I, if you think we can do it, and you know, you're okay with it, then I can do it. You know, that's not a problem. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's wrap it up. All right, man. Let's wrap it up. Am I talking about Podbean, or are you talking about Facebook? Um, I'll start with Facebook. We'll just go down the list the way it is. So Facebook likes. All right. Three hundred sixty-eight plus eight this week. I don't think I'm going to have any problems with the music, but cue it. Cue it up anyways, because that's what we do. That's what we do. Yep. All right. We got Alan Craig, Ashley Martin, Richard Sowers. Sowers? Yeah. Jason Fisher. And and that's our plus eight. Very good, dude. That's our plus plus eight for the week? For the week. What is it? A number for each name? <laughs> for first name, first last and name. last name? Is that what Facebook is doing? <laughs> Maybe. So, yeah. That's... I thought this kid was a millionaire who started Facebook. I mean, they can't even get that shit straight? <laughs> yeah, oh boy. But it is what it is, and, you know. Next thing they're going to be doing the weather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, what do we got next? Facebook comments. Our friend Frank Mordellos, 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 yeah. Yeah. He um, he said Protos because of the belt. Um, I actually before the Mikado, before the logo, I was fully committed to belt, belt, you know, tail drive helis. I was like, they're the best, you know, blah blah blah. Like you can kind of tap the tail on the ground and it won't break. You won't strip gears and all this stuff 
And it's true, right. but you know, with the 700 size heli, I mean, you know, maybe I'm being a little more careful because it's still kind of new to me. But um, you know, I haven't had any problems with torque tubes. Not like my T Rex 250 days. So yeah, uh, you know, so I, I'm like torque tube or belt. Does it? I don't think it really matters when it comes to the size. You know, you're not dragging the tail trying to take off on on grass, and we have a runway for the most part. And if not, yeah. you know, we could take off like kind of. You know, if we were like say like Heavenly Farms, you know, when we were at that um, alternate field last year, you know, we just kind of take off on the, the little street and then move the heli to the left and fly. You know, if, if it's a smaller one, that the grass would affect or the snow would affect it. So, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I saw our buddy Chris posted uh, the SR twenty two is finished and oh, it's yes. ready for the maiden next spring. Next spring, he's like a machine. He's like a building machine up there. He is. But why isn't he meaning it now? <laughs> no, they did get like what, like four feet of snow or something up yeah. in Rochester. And they that had like eighteen feet of snow. Oh my god! Yeah, twenty-two feet of snow. I heard it was. Oh boy, that's a lot of snow. That is a lot of snow. The only thing you're going to maiden in that is a shovel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or or a plane with skis, right? Mm-hmm. Or plane with skis. What else we got? Website comments. Javier emailed us. And he called it our landmark episode 50. Yes. Drones. What's happening with drones? You know, I went to Best Buy recently and saw this massive drone for less than 300. It has auto launch, auto land, other hover, camera, a cool shape, nice black color, a stand on the radio for a phone to do the streaming. Really nice of a price. Same amount gets you a Blade 230S, which is like the starting point of the hobby or one major component of a medium to big heli or part of a Goblin 380 kit. Uh, he also mentioned that, yes, I heard about this too. Uh, Burke Hammer and Bobby Watts is restarting Smack Talk series, but they're doing it as a podcast, I heard. Oh, nice. Yeah, instead of doing the, I think they were doing YouTube videos before uh, yeah. or like actually videos that you purchase um, direct download from their paid from their website or like a DVD package. So that's pretty cool. Um, Bert and Bobby, they're. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to like make them sound like they're like old as 1898 or anything like that. But uh, you know, in my opinion, those are the folks that I looked up to when I first started seeing 3D helicopters, like doing the stuff that they're doing back in the old fly bar days and stuff. Um, you know, so those are, I guess, I don't know. I would say pioneers of modern 3D helicopter flight. So definitely check that out. Yeah, he had a um, few things to say to me directly about my mentioning the 230 night blade heli. Basically, he came to the same conclusion that we were coming to. You know, like, if I'm going to do something night, I can just make blades for the other oxy that I have instead of, like, shelling out that money for something I probably won't fly that often, you know? Oh, what, with the 230S night? Yeah. Yeah. I think you should just build a night flyer. Yeah. Maybe I'll work on that this winter. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, if you need help with the night blades, you're not far from me now, and I have everything to do it. I think I even have battery packs to do it. So Okay. Cool. Let's see. Same, we have a bunch of comments from Podbeam. So you want to go into that stuff? It's got a few comments. Uh, basically not comments, just uh, people liking our, our our podcast. The Mike One podcast <laughs> liked our episode, uh, episode 50, Future of the Hobby. It's the M1KE1. <laughs> Myas Advent Calendar uh, 2016 started following us. 
Nice. The D Junk Sevens podcast started following us. And, you know, I don't know if they Podbean just put podcast after all these names. I don't know if they're actually podcasts or not. Yeah. Um, I think they're just when you sign up. Um, yeah. When you create an account on Podbean, it automatically like gives you a Podbean, uh, podcast account. But, you know, it doesn't mean that you've published any podcasts or done any podcasting. Yeah. It's just a, an account on their site. So, so that being said. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Colburn, <laughs> he liked our podcast episode 50, uh, Future of the Hobby, and I love that name. Mick Chilmantles, Mantles started following us. So thanks, guys. Thank you for following us. Yeah. What did you say? We got what? Um, we got a contact form. This is what the website comments look like. They come from our GoDaddy um, uh, hosting. Okay. And it's Darren. Saying that this, with the subject line "State of the Hobby Today," um, I think this is Darren Dolman. He said, "Hi guys, just finally had a chance to listen to the latest podcast. Today. I'm afraid to have to disagree with you on the decline of our hobby. I do think there is a decline in the hobby. As far as I know, our comments were like, we don't really see a decline because we're kind of, I don't know, we're kind of in our own little world, right? Like we go to the field, you know, we see new members, we see more heli flyers than." playing fires these days you know and it could be due to the code we're just braver in in the winds and the code so you know we're just seeing that uh portion of the hobby kind of shine through now uh let's see um i'm not in industry but i'm pretty heavily involved in the hobby and yes i do see a decline in the hobby as an rc helicopter guy i have seen all kinds of ways this hobby is declining from the events the number of events the attendance of events to organize small heli fun fly every year and last year's years have noticeable decline in attendance so yeah oh, uh, wow. so yeah he's you know he definitely sees it um uh, i mean he says he lives in the west coast of british columbia can canada mm-hmm. yep are you seeing okay so you're reading it too yeah i just wanted to mention that because people might be like hey where, where is he talking where is he at right i mean we might have a little inside the beltway mentality where mm-hmm. we're at because we see everything could be our club as as great as it is saying you know we were welcome to fly anything we want there, yeah you know too mm-hmm. also you, you never know yeah i mean and you know i don't completely disagree with that term of you know that the helicopter stuff is in decline i think so but he, he goes on to say that you know he's discussed uh this topic with a lot of people have been in the industry for years and they also believe it's part of a cycle that you know every three four years things sure. peak and then drop mm-hmm. off and yep. you know you, you got money you know comes into play the economy i'm sure has a big uh has a lot to do with it yeah the economy but i i feel like the whole rave of drone racing i think that's really i mean i don't think it's directly hurting rc helis but i think it's hurting all aspects of the hobbies except for multi-rotors um that because you know, if you really think about it, that technology has really been blowing up. Yeah. You know, so that means companies are developing the R&D and time into the, to that technology, getting it better and faster and more stable and all this stuff. But, you know, with that, like, we have friends that flew, started flying quads and then, you know, do we ever see them fly helis anymore? It's like, you know, there, I know a lot of people that have switched. Even, you know, John John at our club, like, you know, he still flies helis. But it's like the first stop he makes is he goes to the multi-rotor line and he flies his quads. 
you know, and then he comes over later on to fly helis and, you know, so it's has, you know, for the folks that used to only fly helis, like die hardcore helis, started dabbling in quad or, you know, drone racing and then kind of put the helis as secondary. I think so. And I think that's definitely hurting the heli aspect because now, you know, you have those folks and then you have like the, even some of the pros that are getting into the quad stuff. I know I saw a couple of pro um, sponsored pilots, team pilots, factory pilots, like they're flying quads now. And it's cool, you know. They're, I mean, one way or another, you're getting someone into the hobby, which is great. Because if, you know, you're a pro heli flyer and then some guy sees you flying this quad, and you're like, oh, that's so cool. I want to do that. So they get into it. And maybe they see you fly a heli and say, oh, that's even cooler. And they switch or they fly both, you know. But um, I think that initially quads, I mean, you can get it to a very cheap, very, like, very uh, small learning curve to, to get flying pretty well. And... And that kind of, then like when someone looks at a helicopter, it's like, you know, you get the standard, you know, airplane pilots talk about helicopters. Oh, those, those rotary death machines and they're so hard to fly and this and stuff. And then, you know, like say that you're like this new guy trying to get in the hobby and you say, oh, yeah, so you guys flying planes. What about some helicopters, you know? And they're like, oh, no, (laughs) they're death machines. They're this, they're that, they're hard. You're going to crash. You're not going to, you know, you can spend a lot of money and waste a lot of money. What do you think that person who had some interest in a heli is going to think? See, I see it as as products being made. Yeah, they're coming out with a lot of stuff in in the quad racing, but they're they're not holding back on any of the helicopter products that are coming out. These companies are still pumping out new kits and stuff like that. So I don't know. I don't know where, how I feel or where I stand on it. That that's actually a bad thing too when they pump too many kits out, right? Or too many versions yeah. of a kit. It gets hard to keep up with that. And who has, you know, like, I've been fortunate enough to be able to, you know, I, what did I get? When did I get the logo? I must have gotten like two months ago or three months ago. And I'm already yeah. looking to buy, you know, I already have half the components of buying another 700 airframe and uh, the electronics at least. And then I'm buying it. You know, I have the money set aside for the airframe. But, um, you know, not everyone can do that. No, Not but everyone you, can spend. But what I was trying to say was, you know, you have... You have yeah the helis you know they have we have the companies that are still pumping out new kits for mm-hmm. for the helicopters, uh, you know like Oxy's working on some different models and so is SAB, but you also have the quads that went through kind of a evolution, you know they were they were larger they were you know they were whatever size they were the two eighties two twenties and now they're one eighties they're even smaller they're only going to get so far, and I think you'll see something level off. Yeah. I know, I know. Like you know, when we had Chad on the show, he kind of mentioned something like, you know, they're going to eventually get bigger, or like you know, or it could possibly go away. Who knows? You know, I know you were saying that actually, right? About like the RC car racing and the whole cultural aspect of it that ended up kind of killing it. Uh, he was just on with the FTCC guys, and mm-hmm. and he said, you know, he worked in a paintball store, and paintball got on ESPN yeah. for a while and was a big deal. And now, where is it? It's really not doing anything. Yeah. I mean, they still have paintball courses, but people are like, yeah, okay, because it's not the new shiny anymore. Sure. If drone racing kind of starts to lose its uh, um, popularity, we'll say, you know, would that bring helicopters back into light? Or would that just kind of make 
RC in general into the paintball of, of yesterday. No. Uh, I don't know. Guys might move on to other things. Who knows? Okay. They might get out of the hobby. They might move on to planes. They might move, you know. I, I don't think it's going to do anything to the hobby itself. Okay, to the core of the hobby. or, I mean, I feel like you're going to have that a certain percentage of folks that if quads get boring or maybe they start losing the monetization or the fun aspect of racing and competitiveness, like then I can see people getting into planes or helis. But I mean, some some of these folks that get into the quad stuff, they you know they may spend a thousand dollars to really get into it, but then after that, they're not spending that much money. Like, you know, when it comes to helicopter stuff, if you start crashing a lot by taking risk and and trying to progress fast, you're going to be spending that kind of money on almost on a monthly basis. You know, and I can't say that you know people don't spend that in the quad world, but I don't know. I mean, ESCs are like twenty bucks. You know, our ESCs are like. Three hundred and sixty, four hundred dollars. Like I don't know. Yeah, but you got the video technology is always advancing. You got the mm-hmm. the quad sizes are always getting smaller. The batteries are always getting better. Yeah, they're they're spending some dough. Yeah, but Might they're not, not be all in one shot like that. Yeah, but I don't know, dude. If you're quick to get into something, like I, I always say that you're quick to get out of it, and you're and you're probably you know not gonna stick around. Not in it for the long haul. Yeah. Like, if you jump into quads quick and don't have any interest in helicopters, airplanes, you might not move on to that. You might just get back out of the hobby. Sure. All right. So, yep. Thanks, Darren, for uh, messaging us. And Sorry, we've been lacking on the on the messages that you guys have been sending us? Yes. Well, I mean, he sent us today at 5 o'clock, so it's not like we're reading it um, super late or anything. So No, I'm just saying the oh, Facebook in general? stuff. And, oh, yeah. 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 Come on. Come on, Kevin. You're slacking. I know, dude. <laughs> All right. So iTunes reviews. No, I didn't see anything new on iTunes. Okay. So let's close up shop here. Drop us an iTunes review and we'll read the review on the next episode. Email us at freefallrc at gmail.com. Facebook like us. Facebook.com slash podcast. If you don't have Facebook, sign up. Like us. Close your account. We'll take it. If uh, you don't have Facebook, what are you doing? <laughs> Get out from under that 79 Challenger. <laughs> oh, man. Under that, uh, that old school computer. Um, all right. <laughs> don't forget to check out our webpage, freefallrcpodcast.com. Say hi to Chris. Hi, Chris. Hey, Chris. Uh, if you want to see something new there, let us know. We'll definitely need to update our – I definitely need to send Chris – at least my pictures of my fleet and stuff because uh, the logo's not up there, I don't think. Um, I don't have the 570 anymore. My goblin went from green and blue to orange and white. And yeah, so I need to send them some pictures. Maybe next time I go flying, I'll do a little photo shoot and send them uh, what I got. There you go. Uh, flight test forums. Say hi to Nick. Hi, Nick. We're located off the field, audio and video production, other than flight test podcast, free for RC podcast, sitting next to the FT community cast. Hey, Patch Old Mike. Yeah. Hey, Nick. Hey, hey Nick. 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 <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Free our skies, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Peace. Hey, I heard that Nick's father came up with that name while he was shaving. Like, oh, boy. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, dude.